Hey, Bastin. Jay and Silent Bob are coming to raid your fridge, smoke your weed, and make you laugh hysterically while they do it. How do you like them apples? Friday, October 7th at the Wilbur Theater. Catch Jay and Silent Bob get old. Grab your tickets now by clicking on the link at csmod.com. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Catch live video clips of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old and Hollywood Babylon on the Kevin Smith blog for the Huffington Post. Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. That's Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. Yo, Red Bank, New Jersey. Jay and Silent Bob are gonna snooch to your motherfucking nooch. I don't even know what that means. Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live at the Count Basie Theater on October 8th. Special guest, tell them Steve Day. Get your tickets at CountBasieTheater.org. Jay and Silent Bob get old. Live at the Count Basie Theater, October 8th in Red Bank. Word. Want early access to tickets for Smodcast Internet Radio's metric fuckton of live shows? Join Smodcast. For just $4.99 a month, you'll get CD-quality audio of every podcast you hear on Sir ad-free. It's like watching porn without having to fast-forward through that goddamn plot. You'll also get bonus video content and other badass exclusives. Smodcast, where Smodcast goes save for pay. All the deets at Smodcast.com. Going to New York Comic Con in October? Well, Jay and Silent Bob are giving you one more reason to fangasm. Uh, you might want to clean that up. Friday, October 14th at the IGN Theater. Catch a live performance of the popular podcast, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Dust off that Batman costume that's three sizes too small. Or, fuck it, don't wear a costume. Just wear some type of clothing, because, you know, you don't want to get arrested. And get ready to enjoy a thick layer of gooey comedy jizz with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Jay and Silent Bob get old, live in New York, October 14th at the IGN Theater. Tickets on sale now. For more info, go to csmod.com. When it's time for lunch, you can pick up a spoon or grab your fork body and dig into a nuna. It's nuna with Dan and Marty. If you never had a nuna, well, there's no sugar way. Just bend over at the middle in the middle of the day. It's a nuna. It's a nuna with Marty and Dan. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Marty. Uh, welcome to Nooner, the 
12 o'clock podcast hosted by the Merps, uh, minor internet radio personalities. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Dan is not here today. He's unavailable, uh, last minute thing. So, so you are not Dan Etheridge. No, in fact, I have a sock puppet that will be, will be hosting. Gross. Um, Hi, I'm Dan Etheridge. Nona! Marty. That sounds like Dan. Um, you might be hearing another voice. I hear another voice. That is Henry Dittman, our guest assistant host. So yeah, this is fun. I was supposed to be the guest on the show. See what I'm doing over here, Marty? Wedding ring is off. Oh. I was supposed to be the guest on the show, and it turns out that I'm now co-hosting with you, which is very I know, fun. I know. I am hosting, so I will now rule with an hey, iron fist. Dan was very clear. I, I replied to your guys' email saying, hey, that's great, man. I'll be hosting with Marty. He said, no, Marty's doing my job. You're doing Marty's job. Um, I actually have to... Read what Dan said. He said, um, really he said, um, let me be very clear here. My trusty sidekick, Marty Yu, is filling in for me, and Henry is kindly then f- uh, trying to fill Marty's shoes. Think of it this way. It's August 1974, and I'm Richard Nixon, <laughs> Marty is Gerald Ford, and Henry is Nelson Rockefeller. Oh, that I like. Except I'll be back in office next week. Uh, that just went over everybody's head. He may not be in office next week. I have a feeling that Kevin Smith and his cronies may hear this and say man dan etheridge is out see marty you is the star of the future the problem there is that implies that uh kevin smith and his cronies actually listen to I the guarantee show you he's listening right now i guarantee he's listening right now he is in england i am a big fan england. i'm a big fan kevin and i'd like to be in your next movie <laughs> that's how my big break came i always wondered <laughs> right, right, like, forget hanging look, out at the woolworths right 10 years from now let's play the tape again can i say swears on the show by the way? No, you cannot say swears. No swears. No, no, you can't say the word swears because that sounds like a 12-year-old. Or someone who is a grown gentleman. And Can I say swears? Can I say swears? That happens to me anytime I go on a show. and I, I, I always watch talk shows growing up and you see a cable show and... Uh, I remember this with Joe Rogan. He finally found out like on a Comedy Central talk show. They said, oh, you can, you can swear. And then Joe Rogan, every other word... Fox he dropped. Shit, uh, yeah, shit, no, you can't say those words on this show. Then you oh, can't yeah, say yeah. swears. Yeah, and, but uh, we are going out live. And though. I always thought, like, oh, what's wrong with these people? The second they find out they can swear, they swear. And literally, every time I find out that I can say a swear, say swears, I go crazy. Well, it's very funny because Dan, when he found out that his mother listened to the show, oops, started saying effing instead, instead of fucking. It was the cutest thing. <laughs> instead of fluffing, yeah, um, effing is so three years ago. Freaking a. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Uh, so anyhow, you may be wondering who Henry is. Henry is a dear, dear friend um, mm-hmm. who's also an actor and a host and a uh, popular voice actor. You might know him. He's probably best known. I probably as, am best known for... As the voice of uh, Rain in this summer's Mortal Kombat. I don't think I play the voice of Rain in Mortal Kombat. What are you talking about? The video game. Where did you get that information? What? Where did you get that information? I'm in Final Fantasy as some voices. No, it it says it in IMDb. Does it really? Yeah, on my IMDb? On yeah. my IMDb? Are you looking at it right now? No, but I was earlier. Oh my gosh, I wonder if I'm and on it. And then I played the character. Do you think thing. they lifted my voice from a GoDaddy.com commercial and put it into the video game and called me Rain? I'm not on that video game. Really? Because I'm, I'm most well known for the character Kabuto on the anime series Naruto. I thought you were going to say. Uh, yeah. Do you that's get, where I get most of my fan mail. That's where you get recognized at the mall when you order. You know? um, yeah. Are you the voice of Naruto? <laughs> are you? <laughs> Man, anime fans are awesome. 
And you don't want to mess with them. I, I'm not. They're all very We're so intelligent. Awesome. Uh, I actually went to Comic-Con right after I started doing the role and was hosting coverage of Comic-Con because I also do hosting. And I ran into a girl who was dressed like my character. My character's a boy. A very <laughs> masculine boy. <laughs> just like you. I mean, just like me with my legs crossed and my skinny tie. Uh, so I ran up to her and interviewed her for the coverage that I was doing. And then at the end, I said, hey, can I get your picture? Uh, uh, my name is Henry Dittman. And she went ashen. And literally started shaking. She's like, oh my God, you're the actual voice of the character that she was dressed as. And what does the character sound like? Uh, pretty much like this. <laughs> oh, hold on. <clears throat> like this. No, wait, hold on. <clears throat> like this. It's like a good. more sinister version of myself. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so Henry and I go way back. Oh, where, where did we, how did we first meet? We first met. We were in different sketch comedy groups performing at Pedro's, which if I... But we rem- didn't just like like meet in a throwdown or something like no, that. No, I think no. we met because you, somehow we we had a connecting fiber that made you guys come to our shows and us come to yours. But I don't know what that was. Um, I remember you guys all coming into the... Sitting and watching our shows at Pedro's. Right, right. And that's that why was... we came to your shows at... <laughs> Out of guilt? Maybe. Well, I don't know. Our show. I don't know. This is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about that. Anyhow, this is probably we've done several sketch comedy groups. Too. Yeah, we we were in a sketch comedy group for a couple of years, performing live and mm-hmm. did a lot of film stuff. And now you're going away, and then, oh, now we're sitting back oh, down. I like to have that good heat in my headphones. <laughs> I like that. I like it to really just boom through the headphones. Um, but yeah, then we did, we did a. Our sketch shows were pretty fun. I like that. They were really fun. We, yeah. I, I was pretty uptight. I would say. Yeah, I was pretty uptight. Um, the name of the show. Oh my god, I can't even remember. We were first. We were fool, and then we split off and did Killjoy. Killjoy. Killjoy yeah. with Gerald. Right. With uh, Gerald and Gerald Scott. and Scott. The four of us. Scott is still a, also a dear friend of mine, and Gerald moved to San Francisco. Because <laughs> he's gay. He's dead to you. <laughs> And therefore, oh, he's dead oh, to me. Oh, once you leave L.A. County, you're straight dead to me. Yes. I don't mean straight. <laughs> you're gay dead to me. You're just gay dead to me, which is somehow better than straight dead. Um, so what other things might people know you from? Have you ever been recognized on the street? Oh, my gosh. This is literally worse than going to a high school reunion. What else have I seen you in? What do I get recognized? Well, mostly commercials. I got a post office commercial running right now where I'm jacked up on coffee and That's talking real fast. That's been going for a long time. Oh, wait, it's it? close to that sweet, sweet 21-month renegotiation. If you don't know this, commercials pay you every time that they air them, but at 21 months, they have to renegotiate, and if you have a good agent, they, they really try to get you paid at that point. So the goal is uh, to make uh, agencies try to make more and more commercials, because if they run the same like life mag- life serial commercial forever, like... It's not really promoting. The goal for me would be that they run the post office commercial for the next 50 years. But they do the renegotiation thing so the actors keep getting money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't just stay at the same rate. And also, you have the option to opt out. If I wanted to, I could say, no, you can't do that commercial anymore. And then I'm in the GoDaddy commercials with Danica Patrick. Do that. I don't know if if and when I got on a series, maybe, and was sick of that. No, no, seriously. Sweet Freeman. Never, never, Marty. (laughs) Never, okay? Is that what you want to hear from me? Yeah. It's never going to happen. That girl from the Modern Family. show she's olive all that garden olive garden thing, mm-hmm. and that's still Aaron. yeah and and then uh yeah but now all the members of uh modern family are getting commercial deals oh really yeah the um the kid the uh hispanic kid has uh, i think he's like best buy or um staples or some like huh. i think it's best buy and then sofia vergara who plays his mother is the new spokesperson for pepsi 
I did a couple commercials with Eric Stone Street. Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. He's, he's a nice guy. He was a very nice guy. He was um, trying to be very funny when the cameras were off. So how's it feeling right now? Is it feeling good to you? feels good to I be on own. that side of the table? Actually, I was, I'm always on this side of the table. Do you want to switch seats? It's no, we- it'd be weird I would now. in the empty seat instead. Um, <laughs> no, it says right here on the Mortal Kombat page that you are the voice of Rain. So Show I- me that. What, I'm lying. So, oh my gosh! Who did that? I don't know. Take it, man. So I went on. It, man. I went on YouTube it. and then I looked at up the Rain character and you know because they have the videos of, of of the characters you know doing their thing mm-hmm. and it's just all you fighting going. <laughs> so there's no way to tell that it's you if it's you or not. So I was like, oh, I guess that's Henry. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Why can't that happen with something really huge? I mean, it's a good, big video game, but why couldn't somebody accidentally put me in oh, you Indiana mean, Jones or something so like that? They, they just Star took, Wars. They took all your Naruto stuff and just like pulled like little grunts out? I know that I didn't do that project. I would remember doing that game. I didn't do it. Well, and Rain is a big character in it, if I recall. So you're recall. telling me that the internet lies. I'm telling you that the internet movie database, which somehow has become an industry standard for tracking the popularity and careers of actors across town is not an industry standard at all it was created by a retired navy general or something like that navy really admiral yeah it's not an industry website a fan created it and it just caught on i mean i had a friend who jumped his his um rankings way 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 up just by getting into the news and it had nothing to do with the the business it's just if people go looking for you on imdb enough times in a day mm. your rank flies way up wow it's got nothing to do with how many jobs you get or how, how many dollars you get if you went and murdered someone again Again, uh, and it was in the news, and people were going, "Oh my gosh, what has this guy been in?" You would your rankings would jump way up. So it doesn't really determine so seriously, the identity so thing. This is advice to anybody who wants to get their rating. Just murder somebody. Yeah, like the guy. That's who- what Dan says. <laughs> Dan Etheridge says, "Just murder somebody. You'll get it there." The um, the, the guy from Goldmember who played the Odd Job guy. He he was um. Did did you see? The Austin Powers movies? The, the, <laughs> yes, the, I'm familiar. That guy, like, kidnapped and raped a woman, and his ratings just Oh, he skyrocketed. must have been so popular. Yeah, so his agent was so psyched. <laughs> <laughs> we got this. What's your name? Uh, you know, but you represent me, and you don't know my name. Ah, right, Odd Jobs. <laughs> it's Odd Job! <laughs> <laughs> so we are back in the theater, uh, the the john lovett's comedy theater yeah you misrepresented it a little bit when you said what we're we're, we're broadcasting live from the john lovett's theater i thought we'd be on the stage amongst <laughs> the surfboards and a with a live studio audience we're like in this dingy little corner it's like there's like well, however there are up. photos of jay and silent bob up here well is this like the this is like the studios where all the, are all the smodcasts done from right here are all the smodcasts done from right here that's awesome. So three or four shows, Jay is saying. I've been are... in here before, yes, I have been Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Do tell. Well, I came in here because my best friend, who is my best man also, Chris Wilde, uh, who's an actor that you can IMDB and help get his rating up, and my best friend. Uh, <laughs> so he doesn't have to kill anybody. So he doesn't have to kill anybody. Uh, he, uh... Oh, I'm so, I'm so uh, distracted by you. Smoking, you're smoking over there. No, it's electronic, electronic smoking. Oh my God, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, very distracted by that. Um, it smells like he was doing stand up and so he invited me to come in and he, um, but he, and he does not write an act. He's one of those like get up there and just see what happens. And that would terrify me. What happened? He, he was funny. He got a lot of laughs. We got in a lot of trouble because we got really drunk. 
but he got a bunch of laughs. I mean, certainly at the end, you kind of like. I think one of his buddies said to him, "Hey, man, you should. Write, you'd be. It'd be so like if you wrote an act, you'd kill because he killed with no act." And not everybody can do that. Like I think it's a very Does rare. Does he do comic. that a lot? No, 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 no. How no, do you no. get on stage? I have no idea. Somebody offered him the opportunity. I mean, he's known as a comic, although he hasn't done stand-up for a really long time. He's known as a comic, but but people think I'm a comic. When I, well, usually when I show up on shows, they say this is actor comedian Henry Dittman. And God forbid I ever had to pull a Joel McHale. I thought McHale. you had to be funny. <laughs> Go to hell, Marty. God forbid See, I had yeah, to pull. Yeah, that was a, my dad. You know, like Joel McHale wasn't a stand-up, and now he does stand-up dates because he did the soup, and they're like, you, you got to do live shows. I did he, a commercial with Joel McHale. <laughs> you are ridiculous. <laughs> I did. You said three things in the last 15 minutes, and it's who you've done commercials with. Yep. I was on the Mortal Kombat game. How's that feel? No, you weren't. I know. But I was in a commercial. What if I get more work? What if, like, oh, what right, if right. I get more Wait, work, and I like, get there, and people are like, hey, man, congratulations on Mortal Kombat. I guess I just have to say thanks, right? What if they say you get into the booth, and they say, just do what you did in Mortal Kombat? Who do you think really did it? Are they going to be pissed? <laughs> they can't sue me, can they? Well, you didn't. They, they're not getting any less money for it. So, I yeah. But, I mean, this is the whole IMDb thing, man. I know people now that when they, you know, you know Bruno, Bruno Oliver. I did not do a commercial with Bruno. Oh, Oliver. Of course, you didn't. Uh, he um, he works a fair amount. Like he shows up on a lot of TV shows, like um, Modern Family, Modern Family, The Office. I think he showed yep, up on the episode yep. of. Um, and he actually nego- tries to negotiate a character name even when he just has a few lines because IMDb, as it lists medic doctor lawyer it's so just humiliating that it's not a character name and i've had tiny roles that had character names but once it's on imdb you can't tell if it's guest star co-star like on the deep end when you played plaintiff's counsel yeah but that was a pretty big role well why didn't you get a character name because they don't bother naming roles that I mean, it wasn't why still didn't... was a co-star because i had never heard that before bruno was like oh you gotta try to get some kind of a doctor if it's a doctor you just get a doctor's name try to get your agent to negotiate it Sounds kind of pathetic now that I'm saying that. I did have a soap opera where, like, I, they named me Doctor, like, it was like Doctor James or something like that. So we're getting ready to. It wasn't like Doctor Jang. No, we're getting ready to shoot the scene, and I'm, and I'm talking to the producer. I'm like, before they call me by name, maybe we should think about renaming something. The <laughs> something and they, like less Anglo like, than Doctor James. The producer, the director, they looked at me like, what is? Oh, oh, right, he's Chinese. <laughs> so I was like, why not Lee or something like that? Were you, were you at that point listening? Like, did you see the look on their faces of what can we suggest that wants him incredibly <laughs> racist? <laughs> uh, Dr. ching 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 chong chong <laughs> Dr. Ching-a-ching-ching-chang-chong. Okay. That's funny, right? <laughs> you love that, you yellow bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and the racism starts. Oh, starts. Yes. What do you that, care about like... Chinese jokes? You're Filipino, aren't you? <laughs> Korean. Oh. Um. You just staring at my IMDb now? No, Dan. Dan just tweeted. Uh oh. Said Henry <laughs> wasn't rain. What the fuck up? Step up. You're exacerbating <laughs> my grief. <laughs> oh, oh Dan. Dan, we miss you. Um. Oh. So. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to give a quick plug for my sister. Uh, she has a movie. I'd like to give a quick plug to your sister. If this table weren't in between us, oh, I'd be <laughs> uh, 
Um, she has a movie at the Toronto Film Festival. A documentary or a narrative? A doc- documentary. It's She's one a of great the scariest movies I've ever seen. Oh, no. Is it about how the world is melting? I'm yeah, all going to die. Yeah. And it got a great review in Variety. It's playing this weekend at a bunch of theaters. If you're in Toronto, look it up. It's called Last Call at the Oasis. It's about the impending water crisis or the current water yeah, crisis. Yeah, you mentioned this last week on the show. We're basically going to run out of water. How, what's the timetable for running out of water in Los Angeles? Uh, anywhere from like... 15 to 40 years. Okay. Like well, so, now listen, you know, I, I did a movie a couple years ago in Miami and there was a guy that I met who was like the assistant to one of the producers. He was yeah. the assistant. <laughs> he wasn't the assistant producer. No, he was assistant <laughs> one of the producers. No, he was the live-in friend of one of the producers. Oh, I see. But he was an engineering student, a Russian engineering student. Right. right. And uh, he walked around in a speedo. I was all day. watching one of those shows that I made the mistake of turning on, which was How the World Will End. Right. I they're, think my sister directed it. They're so terrifying. Um, and I said to him, "Oh, we're going to run out of water. We're so screwed. All these things." And he, he said to me. America has the te- technology right now to start converting seawater into fresh water, but it's not cost effective. But when right. we run out of water, that's exactly what will start to happen. But it's it requires a huge amount of energy to do that. So then all of a sudden you're causing more global warming. Drill, baby, drill. <laughs> but the, what I want to know is what do we put in, in the place of the polar caps that reflect the, the UV rays? Are we just going to build a mirror? I, the, I think the goal is to put some cloud cover there. They're going to actually pollute the... Are you being serious? They have a solution planned for mm-hmm. for that? Oh, yeah. great. That's a relief. But every time I turn on Bill Maher, I'm like, shut up, Bill Maher. Well, my sister Talk now- about weed and Playboy bunnies. That's <laughs> <laughs> where I get a lot of my environmental news is from Bill Maher. Bill Maher. Well, it's been off for a couple months. But my sister's been so obsessed with moving to like someplace out of LA, you know. So uh, What are know. the places? Where can you live? Well, I don't want to say it on air because then everyone's going to move there. Yeah, I know you don't. It, it would cause a huge problem if so, any city's population rose by twenty-five to thirty people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, she's going to move to Phoenix. Um, so everybody, don't move to Phoenix. Oh my gosh, my mom's family is all from Las Vegas. All oh, right, no, that's the first city have to you, go. Have you ever made the mistake of being in Las Vegas, like in July? Oh yeah. Do you wear contacts? No, but I get like my nose starts bleeding spontaneously. I went there for the NBA summer league. Um, because I am a hu- avid basketball association fan, although I don't get any of that probably until next year now. Uh, and I went for the summer league. You walk out into the parking lot in that heat, and you can feel your contacts shrinking Shrink. on yeah, your yeah. eyeball. Yeah, Ugh. makes the acid do the weirdest things. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, your IMDb rating <laughs> <laughs> just went skyrocketing. Oh, that nude running through Las Vegas. Um, Las Vegas, the first go. They already are screwed on construction and everything else, man. It's a tough place to be, Las Vegas, right now. Yeah, I, I, that will probably go in the next. I mean, unless some miracle happens, they steal water from somewhere else. It'll probably go in the next. Take it from Denver. Years. Yeah. No, they're trying to take it from another part in, in Nevada. The big fight. See the movie. Last call at the Oasis. Oh Oasis. God, I will not see the movie. I'm in it. Are you really in it? Yeah. What do you What do you play? play? What do you play? I make out with my dog. <laughs> I do. So his home videos? Uh, basically. Oh my god! But it, no, it's it's a really really uh, amazing uh, movie. So, um, speaking of amazing, I'm so movies, depressed now. You uh, have done some independent films. I have done some independent films. Um, what what's up with some of those? Did they- uh, I have one knots uh, that I did opposite Ileana Douglas that is in friend with Dan's. I did him. A- oh really? Is Ileana Ileana yeah. friend with friends well, with Dan? We produced a short film of hers. 
I'm crazy about her. We did a movie together in Hawaii a couple years ago, and it's now uh, about to open at the Honolulu Film Festival and the San Diego Asian Heritage. Well, why are you looking at me yellow, like, like help out? Huh? I don't know what it's called. But, yeah, but why San would Diago, I know? San Diego, because we're. T- I, I'm looking at you because we're speaking no, to each other, Marty. At, you're looking at me like, <laughs> come on, help me out here. Hurry you know, up. You're Asian. Text somebody. Uh, at the whatever the Asian film festival is in San Diego. So, but you know the thing with independent films, man, it's um. It's a grind. It's your opportunity to get to do leads in movies, which if you're not a star name, um, you, you have to find your opportunities to get to do those leads and get practice at that and get right. to develop a full character. Uh, but man, it's hard to make your money back. It's a grind. You watch the, you watch people literally just tap themselves out and then submit it, get it into 15 different festivals you never heard of. And it's tough, man. It's really tough. So, uh, by the way, we're talking to Henry Dittman for anybody tuning in late, like Wafflematic. Henry Dittman, a actor. Oh, did Wafflematic say, who the hell's this jerk? Uh, not in so many words. No. <laughs> he said, why the fuck am I listening to this? Is that really what he said? No. Man, I, I, Wafflematic, though, what a great idea for a product. <laughs> That's really solid. I'm not going to try to take it, Wafflematic, but if you pour all the ingredients for the batter into some sort of a processor that would then pour it into, like, sort of... Like a toaster shoot out waffles? Isn't that just what a waffle iron is? No, because the waffle iron doesn't mix the batter. All right. Go you need a lady to do that. So, like, jumping in the boneyards, is that one that you did? Is that <laughs> Bopping at the glue bopping, factory. Bopping at the glue factory. Wow, that was my first lead in the movie. And uh, that was pretty tough, right? That was, that was rough. I still was working at a day job. Right. And I had pretty much decided to quit acting. And then, you hear this story all the time. You think about to quit acting and then you get your big break. That happened with Jillian uh, Anderson from the X-Files. Is that her name? She had decided to quit, and her agent said, just this one more audition. And she booked the X-Files, and it made her a star. Well, my big break was a no-pay movie (laughs) that's shot in a a hospital for the criminally insane down in Norwalk. (laughs) And now you're the post office guy in that commercial. (laughs) Thank God. Now I get paid to act. Thank you, Boneyard. Thanks, Bopping at the Glue Factory. factory. But then they tried to change the title. It's actually gotten some distribution, and it's uh, all the the independent films I've done have gotten distribution, and then randomly someone will just be like, hey, man, one of my best friends just told me they saw you in some movie that I did for $100, and... You always have a hundred dollars and quit. Your, oh yeah, hundred dollars a day. Hundred dollars a day. That's more than I made working in an office back in the day in right. the forties. <laughs> and so, how many Terrible. days were you shooting? It was three weeks, and then I blew my back out during the movie. Uh-huh. I had a scene where I had to carry a big living room TV, and some of the actors had been complaining about the conditions, and I was like so excited to be doing a movie that I was trying to prove to them that hey, oh, come on, let come on, guys, independent film, and I wanted to show them that I was real. So when the producer said, what if we clear out this TV so it's easier to lift? It'll just take half an hour to do it. I was like, man, fuck that. I got this. I got this. Oh, it wasn't even for the film. So it was, no, it was for the film. I mean, but it wasn't being filmed. Yeah, it was being oh, filmed. Okay. The scene was me carrying it into a storeroom and uh, putting see, it down. See. So they're like, we'll clear it. We'll empty it out so that you can have a lighter TV to carry. We'll take out the tube or whatever. Oh, I, I was see. Like, no, see. man, we don't have time. Let's just do this. I got this. The action was carrying a... 28 inch those old tube TVs into a storage room turning my body counterclockwise all the way to the right and then bending at that angle to put it down onto an apple box which is basically two feet off the ground I mean literally the motion that you do if you really want to destroy yourself but you were playing a self-destructive two hours later yes I was two hours later I was taken off set on a backboard to the emergency room (laughs) 
checked into Norwalk Hospital. Wait, where is Norwalk? Norwalk, California? Norwalk, California, south of us. Okay. They kept me there for three days, and they wouldn't treat me. They just kept saying, the doctor's going to come tomorrow, the doctor's going to come tomorrow. And so finally it became clear that they just were not treating me. And so we checked me out against doctor's orders. I got the nurse to give me a double dose of morphine or whatever it was, checked out against doctor's orders, and then basically um, went straight to a physical therapist and got to work on healing my back. Wow. Yeah. And but you, you managed to finish the film. Yeah, this movie that was already over budget, and the producer every day is at the foot of my bed in my apartment in Hollywood saying, over budget. saying, hey, man, um, are we going to just have to cancel the movie? Or oh, that's what, so what do you think we should do? And so my first day back on set, I, I would a massage therapist was working my back literally all morning. And they'd say, okay, we're all lit. Can we have Henry to set? I would go in with a walker. And they wouldn't wheel you in like Hannibal Lecter I'd style. Wa- I'd use the walker to get to my mark. We'd rehearse. They'd say rolling, sound speed, camera speed. Somebody would walk in and remove the walker. <laughs> I'd do the scene. <laughs> They'd call cut. Somebody would bring the walker back in, and that's we do. We basically do that process over and over again until they they could send me back to the dressing room, which, by the way, was a cell. Oh, in nice. a I mean a hospital the mental, for the mental like the that had next, been abandoned. No, the next building actually had murderous, crazy people. Could in you it. hear them? No, but it was really intense, man. Wow. It was really intense, and we shot there for two for the first two weeks, I think. And man, you just saw it on people's faces every time we wrapped. People would leave and just be like, "Oh my god, so dark." The it, darkness. Is it on Netflix? It's on Netflix. You can help me out, actually, listeners. If you go to Netflix. And search for Boppin at the Glue Factory. It's also called Junkie Nurse. And add it. They they added it. They tried to change the title thinking that was the problem. As if the problem wasn't that there's no boobs in it. Uh, if you go to Netflix and add it to your queue and give it a five-star rating, if enough people add it to their queue, Netflix will distribute it. This is what I'm talking about with independent oh, films. Like You oh, find these see. all these crazy ways that so you have to... it's not available. It's Netflix. not available, but it's listed. So if enough people add it to their queue, it will be available. But Come on, help me out. <laughs> Help but me people out. can't actually watch it then. That's what you're saying. They can if, everyone, if enough people put it on their queue. They can. All right. I am. Um, Why are you fighting me this? Fighting me on this, Marty? Oh my god! I just want to see it. That's all. So the, my, <laughs> why my, are you pointing down at my crotch when you say I just want to see it? It is all. It's weird. <laughs> oh, I wasn't talking about the movie. <laughs> you're talking about my boner. Uh, uh, when I decided to to start acting, I I just broken I just broken up with this woman. Um, did you know Iona? She's no, what's her last name? Brindle. I own a Brindle. I never liked her. <laughs> but you don't know who God, she is. I never liked that uh, bitch. No, she's she was great. But so we nah. she dumped me. And then Ugh. but then she called me and said um she had done a couple movies in Canada. She's Canadian. So she said, oh, says God, uh, you're making it worse and worse. I know. Just kidding, well, I love Canadians. Great. We'll all be moving there when we run out no. of water. Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona, everybody, not <laughs> Vancouver, Canada. Oh, it's such a great town. No, shut up! It's a shithole. Um, so she says, "Oh, we're we're doing this independent film up there. You know, it's like a two-week shoot, and there's a great part for you. Why don't you come and do it?" Was the part between her legs? No. She, See what I did there? Uh, Talked about her vagina. Oh, oh, I see. That's funny. That's Sorry. good. So you're not a comedian. Terrible. So she said, "Come on, so sorry." She, uh, so, so I like, all right, hey, this is this could be my big break. This director had the distinction of putting uh, David Duchovny in his first film. Julie, Great, Julie has two lovers. So it's like, and he had a, like a, a list of like a dozen or 
you know, films, half a dozen films that he had directed. So I thought, all right, it's legit. Go up there, and they say they'll put me up in his his family has a, a an apartment in Montreal. And I get there, and it's just an empty room, like like it's a totally <laughs> no bed. No, we were in sleeping bags on the ground. Like the three. Did they at least give you a sleeping bag? Uh, yes, yes, they. they oh, did that's like heaven. So the three lead actors, we were all sli- like slip sleeping in this like empty barren room, oh and then Lord. we get we start filming in his basement. And he's got all these film students helping him out. And then they get the, they load the film. This is like, this is pre-video stuff. So he's got 35 millimeter film lying around. He's loading it up. They start the camera and it goes. (laughs) And it literally sounds like a a dryer, an unbalanced, you know, dryer machine. And this was a, this was a not right or they knew that was the deal. They didn't know that was a deal. Like he had never checked the equipment beforehand oh that makes sense so we've got we're doing this dialogue and then these like cute little french canadian like sound guys are just like oh this can't work i'm getting too much sound. really frenchy really, really. <laughs> the, the, the chainsaw <laughs> that's going in your ear it's not good for you so the guy's like he um ends up he, he doesn't know what to do because he, he's just got this camera and he's got this crew and these actors coming that had to fly in. Spent so much money on those sleeping bags. <laughs> you can't get that back. I know. I know. That's like his, his life would have been ruined. Um, so they just recorded the dialogue afterwards. Oh, no. And it was like an all, basically an improvised. You looped the entire movie? We, it was like an improvised film. So we didn't even know what we said. Oh, that's the worst. So it was a lot of like, okay, just put your head in your hands and say the line. Oh my god, you had to keep obscuring. <laughs> just sort of like, now say this next line into your wallet and right. this next line into your water bottle. Yeah. Did you keep I, having to obscure your lips? Uh, well, they, he would do it whenever he could. Yeah, basically, like turn away, turn away, and say your line. Oh my god, that's really good. <laughs> then, I would have taken the sleeping bag, by the way. Um, I've done so many low pay and no pay jobs oh, right. so that get I get free crap every chance that I, yeah, I get. It was, I don't think it, it was like a used. Oh, you cannot have it. So yeah, I'm there with the, like the girl who just dumped me in this like shithole apartment <laughs> doing this idiotic film. And at one point I'm like sitting in the, like some river in the middle of nowhere, just like freezing my balls off. Like what the fuck am Were I Were you getting doing? paid at least? No, I didn't get, didn't get jacked. Oh, this shit. was back in the day when they don't have to give you a hundred dollars a day. Uh, yeah. Like, well, that's this is, the new deal for us. This is a Canadian thing, oh, you know, and I, this guy doesn't play by the rules. So Canadians yeah, paid, do not play by the rules. Filmed just constantly filming like 18 hour days. And by the end, like the only thing that I got out of it is I, I had, Tylenol with codeine for the first time at the rap party, and that was just glorious. <laughs> it was the best buzz of recreationally. Had. You had it. Well, I had a headache, and I opened up the Canadian medicine chest, and there was this Tylenol with codeine. So that and a couple glasses of wine just set me perfect. <laughs> yeah, I bet it did. It was the only good moment in that two week period. Was when you recreationally used Tylenol with codeine. Yeah, having French Canadian wine out of a box. <laughs> they do that. I thought you figured they'd be too classy to put wine in a box. No, it's huge in Europe too. Cheap. Uh, cheap. So that was my that was my big break. Didn't happen. Movie never got finished. Wow. My first, my truly my first lead in a movie was a movie called The Elvis Myth Project that I did with Brian Krasner. You know Brian Krasner, don't you? I do know Brian Krasner. Uh, I love Brian. Krasner. I got a call from some kid I'd done a USC film for or something like that, and he said, "We're doing a movie. Ah, it's gonna be so great." It's a spoof of the Blair Witch Project, which everybody was doing. Right. T- what was that? Twelve years ago, whatever it was. Uh, so they said, "Well, we're we're gonna 
the re- the lead cast. I was like a supporting lead. Like, the lead cast is going to be up there for three weeks up in the woods in central near Santa Cruz. Uh, we're going to need you for one week. We'll fly you up. <laughs> and he was like, "We can't pay you, but one of our producers works for Hewlett Packard. Everyone's going to get oh, that's right an HP computer out of it." It may be refurbished, but you're going to get a computer. I was like, I need a computer. At the time, I had one of those computers, basically the, the only kind of emails you could send were the kind that blo- that deaf people use to talk on the phone. <laughs> so somebody sent me a picture. It was 16 pages of uh, code and letters and numbers and asterisks. And and no speakers. And, yeah, no, oh, no, nothing. <laughs> uh, it was like a laptop made by a company that makes sewing machines brother maybe like, oh, yeah. it was yeah, yeah. it was awful uh so i went up there and did it and i'm the only one who got the computer brian krasner never got his computer oh that's right you were, but you were really adamant about getting that computer. oh yeah because i i at that point already knew that that's the deal that if you want to get something in this business you have to be the squeaky wheel and i've too often i've not been right you know i don't like to be that jerk but man sometimes you got to fight for what's yours that's my lesson that's, that's what i'm that's your advice that's the takeaway advice including character names for this show, yeah, try to get some character names. Mm-hmm. If you if they need to be um, race specific, make them as <laughs> racist as possible. Ching Chang Chong. Ching Ching Chang Chong. All right, uh, it's a Thai name. It's actually ask genuine. for what's yours. Get get what is yours. That's what um, I say. And uh, when you were the plaintiff's counsel in the deep end, <laughs> did you internally give your character a name? No, I didn't. And man, that was such a fun job. And on top of that, it would have been such, it's one of those things, man, when you're, when you're a non-name actor, you're basically always just trying to get tape. You just always want to make your reel better. And that's one where it was such great tape. I was such a jerk lawyer and I had these great, two great big scenes, um, helping to prosecute. Objection! Helping to defend porn producers. Oh, there you go. And, and, uh, it never aired. Oh, really? They sold the show, but they made a new pilot and it never aired, so they couldn't give me the footage. It was such a bummer. Uh, well, you are the first guest who has not been like a regular on a TV show, and yet you are a very um, successful working actor. Or... Yeah, the number the, – it's uh, – it's, I, I wish you'd tell my family and my friends that. It's so funny. It's, it's, it's not an easy thing to make a living as an actor, and yet I constantly get emails and Facebook posts and messages from people I went to high school with who are like, I just know someday you're going to make it. And I'm like, I make a living at this. Right, right, right. Like you're, you're not – Like you're a lawyer and I've never heard of you. I never saw you on TV, but you you make a living as a lawyer. <laughs> I never saw you in I court. heard of Johnny Cochran. Who the hell are you? Right. But yeah, they, it's, it is a little bit of a – when you're kind of like, hey, man, I got a couple commercials running. I'm auditioning for pilots and TV shows. I got a couple movies that are about to roll out. I'm doing – got some stuff happening. And then you get a post that says, hey, man, it seems like it's just almost about to finally happen for you. You're like, oh, God. Well, Liver spots exploding on your hand. <laughs> I think that when you don't have to have a day job, that's when you succeeded. So like what was the impetus for you to – or what was the moment where you – felt comfortable enough to quit your day job oh i had to quit i had been working at a talent agency for six or seven years and for the last three years i was making a living mostly hosting and uh doing small roles on tv shows but i was hosting a show for usa network called before and afternoon movie and um and then picking up other hosting jobs and small roles on tv shows and some commercials uh and my boss at the agency let me hire a temp cash out of pocket uh, and so I was sort of in control of when I had a temp and it finally got to the point where I was out of the office three days a week working and two days a week I was gone for three or four auditions because I did everything. Cause it was, I had to have some voiceover, right. some commercials, some TV, some, uh, it's not like that for every actor, but not every actor is so, 
um, nuts about making sure that they say that they can do everything in this town, even though they can't. Right. 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 <laughs> like everything I've done in this business has been, oh, I know how to do that. And then get there and go, I have no idea how to do this. Uh, and eventually she said, you know, you're basically only here part-time hours. So we want to take you to part-time pay. And I said, well, I've already been working part-time for full-time salary for the last three years. So I guess I'd, we should just let me quit. And she said, great. So I guess this is your two weeks notice. And I said, no, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> I'm gone. Cause at that point, once you start to see the writing on the wall, um, you know, you want to go, but I, I'll tell you what, I, I loved having that security of that job. I loved having the structure of, um, I mean, I'm really driven even when I was smoking weed every single day for 15 years straight. I never was somebody who lost motivation. That's like the Kevin Smith method. Um, I smoked a lot of weed. Oh man. I love smoking weed so much. Uh, but if, for me, it, it never stopped me from being motivated. And when you have a nine to five job or nine thirty to six thirty in this case, you would, you still had a, you know, something to keep you in an office space. Right. And I wrote scripts while I was there. I submitted myself on projects. I, you would use the printer. Oh my gosh. Use the printer so much, <laughs> so much. But all, all the sketch groups we were in, yeah. I was still working at that office. Right. And, you'd and say, so <laughs> you guys would be like, Hey, uh, don't forget we got rehearsal tonight. And I'd be like, I haven't written anything. And then somehow I would show up that night with four scripts, all of which were in their first right. draft. Right. And then we threw them out and did something that Scott wrote. Oh God. That's true. <laughs> That is really true. <laughs> no, I was I, we. He and I were the polar opposites of taking notes. Like Scott was, it was, it was. Uh, he's a volatile personality who's really incredibly talented, and as a result of it, like mo- he would bring things in so well honed that there wasn't much to say. Oh right, right, right. Uh, and whereas with mine, like you guys would be like, you know, the thing is about yours, Henry, and I go, great, great. Uh, I'll do a revision. I'll bring it next week. <laughs> I did like four revisions of every sketch we ever did. And they turned out wonderfully. No, they didn't. They were great. <laughs> they were not like, great. So I think one thing that you always do when you're not working for pay is you're doing other stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I... I uh, You've done a couple in, independent pilots. Yeah. I produced a couple pilots that I co-wrote with my manager, Bruce Smith, at Omnipop. And, uh, you know, man, I, I when I was working 45 hours a week at the office... I felt like what would keep me from going crazy. I had two two ideas of what would keep me from going crazy. One would be to try to do to try to surf all the time. Once I picked up surfing, the business became much easier for me because I had something else, right? Something that like exerted all my energy, something that was very uplifting. And then also, it's hard to sit in an audition and care that you're reading with someone who's kind of being bitchy to you if you almost drowned that morning and then you saw a baby <laughs> dolphin. And then you thought you saw a shark, and then you rode on the face. Like, these things are such highs and lows. See, for me... The inanity of being in an audition, you kind of go, oh, right, this is kind of dumb. It's just a dumb business. You surf, I, I masturbate. It's the same I, thing. I surf and masturbate at the same time, so mm-hmm. suck it, Marty. Uh, but the other thing was, I felt like if I'm working 45 hours a week at the office, I should spend 45 hours and one minute doing something creative. And that made me get the flu three times a year for, <laughs> like... Six years, right. because I would finish work and go to Sacred Fools Theater and do rehearsals for a play, and then I'd do a play Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and then I would host a show on late night Saturday night that I would then also do sketches in, and then we'd rehearse on Sunday, and then we, you and me and Marty, uh, you and me and Gerald and Scott would do a sketch show on Tuesdays, and uh, after a while, I started to realize that if I could not qualify what I was doing creatively based on whether or not it was on TV or paid a lot, right. I'd be much happier as an artist. 
So although it's very easy to say, well, I booked a commercial and that's probably going to pay my rent for the next six months. Um, that is obviously, I will definitely take a night off from doing Watson at Sacred Fools Theater um, to go shoot this commercial. That's one thing, but it it keeps you from getting stuck into just chasing dollars in this business, which is when you're when you're in the situation where chasing dollars doesn't equal doing great projects, it's a it keeps your sanity for sure. And, what the- and then I'm trying to push my money that I make as an actor into my business also, which any businessman would do that. Anybody who's smart, if they make if they have a hundred thousand dollar year in their business buys new coffee makers if they have a coffee shop or new plates and aprons. They don't just go spend it on something different. And actors are the opposite of that. They have a $100,000 a year and they still don't get new headshots, cut a new reel, <laughs> produce right. a project. And I'm just trying to get over, you know? And I'm really hoping... I know Kevin Smith is listening to this right now, so I'm hoping he'll say, I'm going to really take a look at Henry's Pilots. <laughs> God, this guy really... Seriously. He's seriously. trying to make good right now. I but bet he's the, really funny. What are the pilots? One of them is called Buzzy Grovner's Ding Dong, which is a character that I developed over at Sacred Fools, who's sort of a Dean Martin, Hugh Hefner hybrid, set in the 60s. And he sounds... um, Oh, hello. Oh, hello. It's me, Buzzy Grovner. Beep, beep, bitches. Sounds just like me. (laughs) Only drunker. What's the difference? There's no difference. Uh, And then the other one is uh, my... It's my manager, Bruce Smith, over at Omnipop Talent, and I have... (laughs) Just... Pimp it out a little I'm plugging more. him. I'm trying yeah, to plug yeah. him. He's my friend and my manager. But we also have become writing partners. I'm sorry, what, what's the uh, website? Bruce Smith, Omnipop.com. Uh, but he represents Maria Bamford, Doug Benson. He represents some big-time uh, underground comics, you'd call him, I guess. Jimmy Pardo and um, Andy Kindler. He's got some really um, big stand-ups, is most of what he has. And he's helped them develop shows. He helped develop Fox, uh, a Titus yeah. for Fox. Right. Uh, Weren't you cut out of Titus? Yeah, but it, but he wasn't repping me at the time. All right, I just wanted to. It's a total question. Oh, my God, I was cut out so hard. <laughs> we did the first tape. I was cast as a flashback boyfriend to the lead girl, and we they do two tapings of most sitcoms. You go and you do a taping, and then you get notes, and then you do a second taping, So they have two, or they tape a rehearsal. Yeah, they tape a the rehearsal, other. and then they bring in the audience. And right, whatever. so this had two audience tapings, and we did one audience taping, and then we went back for our notes, and we're sitting around, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm working on a sitcom. This is my dream, working on a sitcom. And the producer <laughs> walks in and says, all right, guys, now, how long is a standard sitcom run? Uh, what do you mean? 22 minutes. 20, well, well, yeah. They walk in and they say, okay, guys, that was 31 minutes. <laughs> so we are going to cut some stuff. And w- and a, one of the head writers, slow motion, cranes his head over at me and looks at me and just sh- shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> he didn't like draw his he finger just, across <laughs> his neck. Like, <laughs> he basically literally went like this. I can't, and you're not going to be able to see this, but Marty, you can react to what this mm. looks like. He literally went like this. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, sucks to be you. Kind yeah, of thing. sucks to be you. As a matter of fact, since you didn't get to see that that face, listener, I'm going to tweet it to my Twitter so you can see what the face is. And it'll so be that's at Henry, at Henry Dittman, Dittman. And then I'll link it onto that's there because it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And if anyone wants to <laughs> tweet, we are at, at Nooner Dan Marty. And while you're doing that, uh, Jay, you want to play one of Brad Stark? Who Brad Stark is the the man who... Does our music and our bumpers and whatnot? Uh, I was jamming to it before. Yeah, so he did a, a an alternative theme. So I th- I don't know if we've done the smooth jazz one. Is that what it's called? The quiet storm. I think we might have done this, but let's just hear it again because I don't think Henry's heard it. He gets 
Your girlfriend safe at this moon the other is gay. <laughs> I don't think we played that one before. <laughs> Your girlfriend's safe. One guy's Asian, the other guy's gay. Well, not today. Today, I am hosting. Henry is co-hosting. That was amazing. And Henry is definitely straight. Uh, you, got, you know, you know, I am because I'm married. Right. When did when did he two get months married? ago? And now that I'm married, I can make out with guys. And, and it's, if both it's guys funny. are married, it's, it's not gay. Funny. It's totally. It's <laughs> yeah. It's safe now. Um, where did you get married? I got married up at Orcut Ranch in uh, West Hills. It's up near Topanga. Uh huh. Oh man, Tell that's us a, about it. Hold on. Uh, I want to hit send on this tweet so well, bad. Hit send. Hold on. Well, it, you can s- press send and talk at the same time. It's really well. See now, this is what people think about actors. Yeah. Well, it said negative fourteen. I had to figure out what to cut out of the tweet. So, it, it, very shortly, you will see the face that that writer made when he when they, it was clear I was being cut out of Titus. Um, man, getting married—it it was the most beautiful day of my life, well, you and the worst that. experience of 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 my life. Like, I I'm pretty sure I started losing hair while we were planning the wedding. It was so stressful. And on top of that, we, we paid for our own wedding, my wife and I. Here's what I would recommend if you are planning a wedding. Um, if, you're, if, you, if at all possible, split the cost of the wedding. If you are splitting it, you suddenly really have some common ground of, oh, babe, we can do this to save money. You know what I mean? Like mm. You're both putting in on it. Uh, but we did, our, we did our wedding on the cheap, man. People say that you can't do a wedding in Los Angeles for less than 25K, and we did it for considerably less for a hundred people but then you your hair falls out it's so stressful that was the thing we probably saved i know we saved five grand by not having a wedding planner and on the day of the wedding i sat there and thought or by by not having a wedding planner and by doing so much of the stuff ourselves i should say and on the day of i just kept thinking i would have paid 10 grand to just not have had to do all this myself <laughs> but we do man we did a lot of things on the cheap we we went to um, Wood Ranch Grill, which is that great barbecue place in the Grove, uh, and got barbecue catering for half the price that everyone had quoted us for wedding catering, and it was it was a beautiful day. And did you honeymoon? We did in Maui. Wow! And I finally got to have sex because that's what you get to do. Jay, you'll find that out. Are you married, dude? When you get married, you get to have sex legally. Legally, yeah. And the best advice I can give you is that uh, penis goes in vagina. Yep. Penis goes in vagina. Jay it's a good is, start. Jay is writing down notes. <laughs> <He's> scribbling. <laughs> Where'd you get that golf pencil? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's his penis. <laughs> that's his penis. I'm, that, that wasn't me that made the small penis joke. That's awful. Uh, that's, this is what Dan no. does to Jay? Uh, no, he, tries to make he, a does fool of him? To, he does it to me. It was great. Honeymooning, honeymooning on Maui was amazing. And also, uh, my mom was like, oh, everywhere you go. Well, you brought your mom? Yeah. Uh, but when we were going, <laughs> That's what my mother grew marriage. up in Hawaii for some of her life, and she was like, oh, everyone, just tell everywhere, everywhere you go, tell people that you're honeymooning, because you get such sweet treatment when you're honeymooning. And Chris Wilde and his wife, Shilpa, they got married, when they got married, they went to Bali, which is not going to Hawaii for your honeymoon. And when we went, every, the first place we went, we were like, we're honeymooning. And somebody, the first person we said, said that to said, yeah. <laughs> like, this is our honeymoon. Yeah. Like every, it's every, hey, dumbass. Right, right. It's everyone's honeymoon. <laughs> we can tell because you have no tan. We can tell because and you're you... in Hawaii. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, so Aloha. that was kind of that was a that was a little bit of a shocker. We thought we'd get more special treatment. Even at the even at the airport, I thought like we'd get an upgrade to first class. And after those right, first couple, you're the of, first couple, that's yeah, ever. It's, we're on our honeymoon, and she's like, "You're fucking forty years old, idiot." Like that's the other thing. After because I'm in my late thirties, and after a while, I stopped telling people because I would say, "Oh, well, I'm getting married next week," and the common response became. Is your second marriage? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've just been banging broads and not being in committed relationships. That's not true. I haven't been banging broads. Sweetheart, if you're listening. (laughs) Shit. Wedding night was the first time. (laughs) And the last. Oh, now I'm married. My understanding is the longer you're married, the more sex you get to have. You obviously have never seen stand-up comedy before. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> my wife won't have sex with me. I don't know why. Life I keep making the jokes about her not theater. having sex with me. Right. Um, so now that you've talked about it, your wife has to have sex with you, right? She has to. She almost has to. Or will definitely not. Do you watch Naruto? It's Naruto. Not Naruto. Okay. Hey, I'm Chinese. I should know how it's to pronounce. Not- <laughs> I should know how to pronounce these things. Don't you dare correct me on this. Uh, Naruto? <laughs> uh, like this coffee is so good with Naruto in it. <laughs> International coffee coffees. Uh, I watch it a little. I catch an episode here and there, but I don't avidly watch it. It's it's enough of my life to do the episodes, and I I like to sort of be in the mo- the point is no, I don't watch it. <laughs> I don't watch it. I'm do you so- hear that? All the Nar- I- Naruto fans. <laughs> The guy who plays Kabuto, <laughs> he does not listen. It does not God. watch his own show. He doesn't care. It's not my show. It's the fan show. Oh, there you go. And man, I got to tell you, man, I wouldn't want to mess with them. They're an incredible fan base. They're an incredible fan base. What They're you, so dedicated. What did you do at Comic Con? I, mean, I was there covering, doing footage for a website that just went. I was. Oh. It was unrelated to being a voice actor. It just was a coincidence. Right. And when I did the job. I had no idea what a big deal the show was. I just thought, oh, this is some voiceover work, and I get to play the villain, and this will be really fun. And by the time I was there do, actually doing the Comic-Con footage, I got it. And, and Naruto's a huge show. Like, any kid that's not dressed, any, mostly it's kids under 18, but anyone who is not dressed like Princess Leia in her slave gear, right. half of the rest of them are guaranteed to be in Naruto clothes. Wow. It's an exaggeration. Are those big, <laughs> those numbers are by no means accurate. Nobody's going to fact check you on More this. like one, in, let's say more, may, maybe like one in, say, a thousand. <laughs> Somewhere between 0.1% and half. So they're like 100,000 people. Somewhere so like, in there. there are 100 people <laughs> that dressed like that. That's oh, at good. least, at That's least 100 good. people. At least 100 people. All right, I'm going to go through your credits. Party down. Tell us about you are. Dan, that, Dan that Etheridge brought theme. me onto that show. He, He's the I, one who called and offered me the role. Did well, you work on Party Down? I did work on Party Down. What did you do on Party Down? Not something as fun as what you did. Oh, my God. I get to be the porn producer. Yeah. You, there's a link between you and porn in your roles. I know. And it's not just in my roles. It's also in my daily private browsing on Safari. There's a, a relationship <laughs> between me and porn. And by the way, thank you, Mac, for private browsing. Oh, no. that I think you should thank Firefox for that. It was a Firefox? Mm-hmm. Really? Because I'm on Safari. Oh, Oh, well, it's they, Safari's idea. It's not Mac. They all all the browsers. It's so have. awesome. And the only thing, honey. It, hey, all if my you're listening, all you listeners out there, isn't it terrible when you get through your first Google search and then you realize you forgot to put on the private browsing? It's just one link, so you have to try to bury it by going to Facebook and clicking it on like sixteen different pictures, trying to bury it down in the the order. Honey, don't look in the history more than two pages and down. You're screwed because you know you searched for something that has the word teens in it. Uh. 
Dan called me and or he emailed me and asked for your number when when uh, well thank you for that casting. I was so no, flattered I, by I that I said I didn't know it I've, <laughs> but I can do what, what's a role what's a role what's a role what is it a big role a big role uh, I was so flattered because I'm actually a huge fan of Dan's like he I've seen him do so much comedy at Sacred Fools and I'd seen him do stuff over I believe at Instant Films but I just know I'd seen him a lot and I always felt like he was. Uh, Whereas I would say um, we have friends who look like comedy greats. Like I don't I, like Pat Town to me. Yeah. Lo- Pat Town to me and looks like Dan isn't much to look at. No, but so but my well, my point is he has to me the per- the energy of Harvey Corman. I feel like he is so he has so like that great deadpan. He does he can do characters like Corman, but he doesn't look like him and he doesn't sound like him. We know people who look and sound like famous. Brian Krasner looks like Kevin James, right? And I don't know if that helps him or hurts him, but I can't imagine that it's. There must be some times where they're like a sweaty. Kevin God, James. he looks just like Kevin James, man. What? But to, to me, so anyway, to me, Dan and Harvey Corman was him and Tim Conway were really my roots of comedy growing up. So we've made a Nixon so, reference. Here's some, Harvey Corman. Here's some more stuff you right? want to know about. Bust a point, Dexter. So I. So anyway, I was always such a fan of his, and when he called directly and offered me a role, I felt like first of all, I felt like. Very flattered because you you go way back with Dan and I know Adam Bitterman is a guy that they you know they like to work with but he goes way back with him I it's sort of felt bitter, like it's Bitterman it's not Bitterman Adam Bitterman <laughs> Bitterman can't find a Bitterman Narado uh, all right so tell so you got to be the porn producer when uh, in the scene Ken where Marino. Ken Marino has to get Ken it up. Marino is a prince. He was uh, one of our, I think, our first guest. God, he's the nicest guy. He's a great guy. Just the nicest guy, and and has the kind of has the vibe on him when I watch him on TV that I feel like I wonder if that guy's a jerk. It's the worst thing about working in this business is how many times you work with somebody who says, "Hey, you know, so and so, you really, really like." Yeah, who oh, fucking prick? Who will you talk trash about? No, I don't have anyone to talk, talk come trash on, about. Come on. I've never had bad. I, I here's, I here's talk the thing. Trash. I think that people who have the, most of the time have those experiences. Imagine the time that you are driving into a bank or something and you are half asleep and somebody you've been jerked around all day and someone's like, um, hey, do you need a receipt? Yeah, please. Oh, man, Marty, you. Such a jerk. I watch him on TV and I'm such a big fan of his and he couldn't even be super friendly to me. I, I feel like most of the time it's overblown. So I don't have any of those personal experiences of somebody being an Dish. asshole. Chris Titus was a dick, wasn't he? Yeah, he didn't talk to me. But the guy who played his little brother was super nice and, and approached me. And I can't even remember his name. No, I don't know his. I don't know his so name. I don't care. I want. I want to hear about the famous people who tell us about Charlie Sheen on Two and a Half Men. I didn't work directly with them. Who'd you work? With? I was a pre-recorded bit. Oh, were you like a voice? Yeah. Oh. Still. Still. Same amount of money. Yeah, still. And you know what? That continues to pay. Ah, uh, thank you. I got a hundred dollars for that this week. Wow. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. I've I've not been I've been on a knock wood. I've been on a run of not getting those ninety nine cent residual checks. I I don't know if they're just holding them and giving them to you more in groups. Do you still get those nothing little checks for anything? Oh yeah yeah. I got like thirty eight cents for a movie I was cut out of. Just... Don't they, I think I found the bar residuals. Yeah yeah. Is it right there by Tahunga? Yeah. Uh, right on. Do uh, they so, still do that? So, you can sign yeah, over so your. So this check? is a, a bar where if oh, you my sign. God, that's a great if, legend. If you give them your check, uh, they will give you a free drink. So. Even if it's a six cent check. Right. Right. Well, they don't cash it. They they just post it on the wall. They don't do that. They anymore. don't do that anymore. That's too bad because I'm a problem drinker, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a stack of three cent checks. I, I'm such a problem drinker. I'd show up with a twelve dollar check. I just I, need a drink. <laughs> I can't go to the kitchen. Just a beer or something. Place. Just punch me in the face. It's right next to my dry cleaner, and I went there when we were planning the wedding. Chris Wilde was my best man, and uh, 
we went to my dry cleaner to get his suit fitted and to drop off my suit to be VIP pressed. Right. It's pretty amazing, the VIP pressing. It's all hand pressed. And uh, we went over there. It's, it is a really intense bar. Yeah. It's really hard intense. Drinking. Hard drinking bar. There's a guy like he's like I used to be in a post office commercial. <laughs> I'll see you here in five years. My liver holds out. <laughs> it won't, sir. It won't. It won't. That's me running out the door and yelling over my shoulder. It won't. No, that's good. That's good. I, I stayed I in there it. and got drunk. Oh, that's good. I'm telling you, I'm a problem drinker. I don't. I don't see it. This is sort of like my therapy for it. I feel like I don't have. To, if I say it to enough people in public, I don't have to go to any sort of a program. <laughs> but you can still drink as much as you want. <laughs> First step. Yeah, can you Irish up this coffee for me? Right. Even more. <laughs> um, I I'll, Actually, the reason I brought you here on the show, Ooh. it was just because I wanted to give you something back. Oh my gosh, what is it? Oh, holy crap. You know that they're about to do this play at Sacred Fools Theater. They just announced it this week, and well, I remember this book. Why don't you tell people book. what it is? Holy cow. There is a book. There's a first of all, there is a play written by the Bard William Shakespeare. Who? The Bard. William Shakespeare called Richard the Third. It is this and Anthony Sher, who I don't know, I guess anybody would oh, know anymore. It's another seventies reference. Yeah, I mean he was a he was a very popular reference. actor who's most popular to most American actors because he did a PBS version of Tartuffe where he played Tartuffe. <laughs> nope. nope. He's still not. Uh, and he's not going to get anybody, but he wrote a great book because he played Richard III, which is well known to be like one of the most difficult roles in the canon. <laughs> in the canon. Actually, I believe it's probably been Julio. Uh, there, he's a very, very difficult role. And so he wrote a book. <laughs> is that like the Shakespeare, Shakespeare like, nerd. The, the Shakespeare panel at yeah, Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what it would be like if they had Co- Comic Con back in the day with the, right. uh, the groundlings, as it were, the Shakespeare's followers. But he wrote a book called Year of the King, which is about his journey creating Richard III. And when they said, oh, we're doing Richard III, after which, uh, I, I, Suddenly had to ask myself, because at first I thought, oh, I wonder if I'd audition for that. And then I thought, eh, it's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) In college, I played Tartuffe, which was like page after page of rhymed couplets. And it's very physical, right? Oh, so physical. It's so much memorization. Uh, And how's that? Yeah. Put that book down. And and I was like, oh, this this is what I want to do, these huge lead roles. Now I'm very thankful to do... The evil villain in Watson, as I just did, and just get great reviews for well, doing that was six a really scenes. Physical scene, physical that ha- it was, but it wasn't. So wait, did you win? A, not like Scott Leggett, though. I'm did you geez. win an award or something? For I that? won. I just won the stage scene L.A. award for featured performance in a comedy. That and also six other actors won the award. They're obviously just trying to make friends, right? Uh, but stage scene L.A. is a very respected L.A. theater blog, and it was nice to get that nod. But I also got the L.A. Weekly award for best comedic performance of 2010. For Watson. For Watson. And because I do this bit where I play ten characters, right. or eight characters in two minutes. Right. So that, that uh, you want to explain what Watson is? Watson is a... <laughs> Watson is the story. Let's, it's one let's of the talk tales. about uh, a play that nobody can oh, see. Oh, God. Who fucking cares? It's, uh, ah, it was it, a good It play. will run again. It was very popular. It had uh, French Stewart in it from Third Rock from the Sun. It was directed by Jamie Robledo. It's at Sacred Fools Theater. Just tell me what's it about. You can get information at sacredfools.org if you want to see pictures while I'm talking about it is what I'm trying to it's say. It's like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of... No, it's not. Of, no, it's not. It's, 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 Sherlock just, Holmes. it's one of the tales of Sherlock Holmes, but it's from the point of view of Watson. And well, it's that's done... exactly what... You... 
with all these trippy, um, you're right, it is, in that case, it is like Rosencrantz. You're just using references that no one is going to get. I'm trying to get us away from that. So it's like 39 Steps, which is a play on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, not the Hitchcock They'll get version. that. Uh, They'll get but that. Anyway, you, that. It was book, awesome, man. It was cool to do a play. That and book you lent to me around 10 years ago. You And you would read it before every play you said? That can't, no, I wouldn't. No, that's not true. No. Well, if I said that, I lied. You lied to me. But I probably will read it, and I won't. <laughs> I don't know, man. Right, then I'm taking it back. <clears throat> no! Um, How fun. What a throwback. I remember reading that when I was like, oh, the craft of acting. So he talks to, about doing Richard III then. Like, the whole, it journal. is his journal of, of learning the role of Richard III. There's, and he, he, it's also filled with his own sketches. You were showing me a sketch that's very funny. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's amazing. Beautiful British Rounded. buns. Um, I think we're at that point where we should play a certain theme song. Um, oh, my God. Is it yeah. Marty song? Don't. Two and three is Gonna put you at ease. If you like it raw, well, tough. If the body softballs. This is the section. This is body softballs. Brad's got to run for his money. You can put, record anything and we'll play it. This is mighty softballs. So, in case Kevin does a musical. <laughs> You realize he doesn't listen to the show. He probably is listening. Jay is the only one who listens to the show in the, the, the uh, Sir family. And it's only because he has to. Because he's sitting here. Right. <laughs> he's just like, God. He's literally got smaller headphones on underneath his big headphones. He's listening to someone else's <laughs> podcast. He's listening to Jimmy Pardo's podcast. Right. And he looks up every... Oh, they're still fucking talking. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> These guys are the worst. Um, you didn't have to tweet it. Hashtag myself. <laughs> So uh, Marty Softballs, that's where I, I – it's exactly what it says. It's three softballs for our guest. And since you – for this portion of the show, we will make you the guest. Great. So I get to answer your uh, – talk about your softballs. Well, it's either that or that chair. Um, <sighs> okay. Here's one. Um, since uh, going off the last thing, when you first got drunk, what were you drinking? Beer. What kind of? First time I got drunk, I was drinking beer. What kind? Uh, it would. I was living in the Panhandle of Florida. It was uh, probably Natty Light, old natural light. Mm-hmm. And I, the very first time I drank, my parents were out of town, and I, by myself, the first time I drank, drank thirteen beers. I recall Wait, it very you vividly. By yourself? Well, I mean, like my, by, like my oh, parents oh. were out of town. Okay. I, so, <laughs> just like, I was 17 years never, old. I sat alone and drank 13 beers. Nobody loves. No, me. I was a, I was a born again Christian in high school. Uh, I'm still a man of faith, but I was a born again Christian in high school, and uh, we, don't, we don't talk about religion. We went out, we went out partying. Me and all my friends, and they were just like, "Ah, oh, you get a drink with us?" And I was like, "Guys, I drink. It's not a big deal. I'm not like a judgmental." guy and so i just realized how much i really just have a hollow leg when it comes to drinking i drink 13 beers but i was so such a good boy that i couldn't stomach the guilt so when my parents came home i told them <laughs> that uh, vomit wasn't the dog you were going that vomit was uh, mine. i drink and i drink 13 beers uh, and they sat there for a couple of seconds and then my my dad said you drank 13 beers? <laughs> he high-fived you? <laughs> yeah, he high-fived my, high-fived my mom, and then years later, they got divorced. Aww. I'm sure it was my fault. Because you that drank I, that Oh, night. my God, what a breakthrough. <laughs> do you, wait, do you didn't get sick at all? No. And do, did, you do any, did you do anything crazy? 
Uh, no, but my friends all did. We ended up crashing at my parents' house that night, and one guy found spray paint in my parents' garage and spray painted oh, on the popping. street in front of the house. But it was all patchwork, so you couldn't quite make it out. But that was kind of how. Wait, wait, wait. he just was doing random spray painting. Yeah, but you could. I couldn't really quite make out what he wrote. Oh, so. I was seventeen years old and drunk. That's Choctahatchee High School. I could Fort not Walton say Beach, that. Florida. Not... I wrote that into a sketch, and you couldn't ever say it. Yeah, Choctahatchee High School. There's a school we all love dearly. We call her Old Choctahatchee, and to her, our alma mater, we would fight and die. Nobody cares. Cheer. Nobody cares. But Tyson, <laughs> they made Sainer. us learn it in English class because in the South you don't actually learn the English language. You just learn like, like slogans. High school football, man. We did. A, we had a cha- state championship high school football. The rival high school was the state champs the next year. The other rival high school was the t- state champs the next year. And, and Florida high school football is like Texas high school football. It's a big deal. But we did one school play every other year. <laughs> really? Yes. And you, you, were you in the mall? Sure. But I mean, the year after my year, my senior year, we did a play. The next year, no play. All right. So, yeah. I don't think they have money to do plays anymore. No, but they have money to have a state championship football team. Well, fuck yeah. Yeah, football rules. That's American. Football Uh, rules. Just so you know, we have a couple learned listeners. Ooh. Um, Tyson Singer tweeted, Tartuffe check, Tom Stoppard check, Dick Dick 3 also check. Oh, I like it. Um, And uh, let's see. Quick 22A said, since Watson and Holmes was Holmes's biographer, mm-hmm. doesn't that mean all the stories are from his point of view? Oh, that that is a really good point. And, wait, this is like the Arthur Conan Doyle panel at Comic Con. Oh, excuse me. Except, uh, except, uh. except that's absolutely true. That's actually really, really true, and not that difficult to figure out. Except what I what I should have said, and I'll qualify it for your sake, learned listener, uh, that actually the protagonist of the story is Watson. So it is still Watson narrating. He narrated everything. However, it is that Watson is the protagonist and the lead in the story, which was not the case, typically. Suck it, quick 22A. But I played Moriarty, and during most of those scenes, I was in the back. Sniggering. <laughs> Sniggering. <laughs> playing words with friends and drinking. Um, That's not true. I'm not that much lush. I didn't start drinking until I finished the show every night. I, I would drink. I did one show where I had, like, two scenes in it and it was like a three and a half hour show so i would like once my last scene was done i had like an hour before curtain call so i just went to the corner store and just like what beer has the most highest alcohol please (laughs) most highest (laughs) just get like malt liquor we we are all uh, me french stewart eric curtis johnson who was in the play and this kid um colin wilkie they're all great actors we are all great beer drinkers, and so we all love IPAs and all yeah. like this whole big micro craft brew thing, craft brew thing. And so each week we would bring in a sixer, and I got done first, and then each of them finished their scenes in subsequent order. And so as each one came backstage, I would be handing them a beer. Yeah. Um, what were we just talking about? I don't remember. All right, that's it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good show, everybody. Uh, we were doing softballs. There's my softballs. I think we were talking about my uh, high oh, the school. first time I got drinking. drunk. Yeah. yeah, so the first time I got drunk, I was my I was a total teetotaler in high school. I was like, why would you want to drink and lose control? Yeah, you were man. not. You were straight edge and proud totally. of it and a jerk about it? Yeah, totally. Why would you, <laughs> why would you smoke pot? Why would you go? Yeah. I don't think it's particularly cool to be out of control. Thank you very much. Right. I'm fine to go to class. Thank you very much. Uh, look how much fun I'm having. Oh, I have so much fun. <laughs> Man, you guys need that beer to have fun. 
Like, why can't you just be in the moment? Did you try to overcompensate by seeming like you were having more fun than you were? And, uh, or did you just not go anywhere because people hated you? No, I was just the guy who always drove. Well, that's nice. Yeah. So, but we drive on, drunk in the South. It was a big deal, though, because on grad night, like, it was Dan Wexler's goal to get me drunk. Because it was a big thing, because people would try to offer me drinks. And so... Uh, oh, get Marty, you shit face that asshole. Totally. And he had, like, it was a grad night. Like, they had, like, some country club where it was, you just stay up all night and, you know, wear your tie for the first time. And, um, and uh, he had strapped a bottle of cherry brandy. And it wasn't, like, sweet cherry brandy. It's, like, it's, like... It's clear. It tastes like rubbing alcohol. It's called Kirsch. And he'd strapped it to his leg because they checked everyone's bags and pockets before they awesome. get onto the bus. Awesome. And he just snuck booze in, so he brought brandy. Yeah. Just want to say that out loud yeah. and make sure we're all clear. And it, it, it so was high like school. It was like Sterno. And so he poured it in a glass. It's clear. It looks like water. And that was why he he picked it because he, he could hide it. And and like I was fine, I was I was like fine, fuck it, I'll just do it. And I picked up the glass and I just down the whole thing. And it's like you know, it's eighty proof stuff. First time getting drunk, so it was in the salad course when I just started giggling uncontrollably, and then had a, just a miserable night where I was just like, I'm gonna fuck Emily Sklar, and I would just say that over and over again. Is that the Sklar brothers' sister? sister? No, uh, oh. it was the guy that Dan Wexler, who got me drunk, eventually married. <laughs> and he does not know that story. He does now. Yeah, yeah, because everybody listens to this show. You know, you shouldn't disparage the people who are listening because they're going to be like, "Yeah, oh, no one listens. Fine, I'll turn it off." Oh, no, no, we love you. Quick, twenty-two A. Um, no, and you did not come off as sarcastic. It was, uh, it was a good point. Um, or Tyson Saner, noises off, and a few good men are also good live. Uh, noises off is a great. Oh, show. it's such a great live play, and, I, and a funny movie. Yes, John Ritter, Dan Holm Elliott as the drunken uh, Pua, and rest his soul, uh, Christopher Reeve was in that, wasn't he? Uh, I don't know. It was. It's like he plays the big. So it's the hunky de- guy, the death play where everybody's died. Who's Michael been in Pollock it? is in it, or what's his name? Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock. I believe. Next to go. No, I'm <laughs> oh my god! Kidding! I'm kidding. God, Marty. <laughs> I'm very. This show maybe is not for me. <laughs> oh no! I was just reading a tweet <laughs> <laughs> from one of the many listeners. From Kevin um, Smith. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Worries. It's not from the real Kevin Smith. It's from the fake Kevin Smith. Uh, let's see. What was your favorite video game growing up? Um, we didn't have video game system we were at, we were told to play outside so our video game system was my father's video game system oh, is that how we got back which one of those mother? classic pong games that had seven games mm-hmm. and they it was were all pre-programmed yeah, they were seven games you could switch flip the switch to play it and all your choices were um variations of court pong. games so it was pong so it's ping pong tennis <laughs> <laughs> Soccer, <laughs> hockey. So they're all exactly squash, the same. They just had a different title at the top. It was all a different size paddle, and and sometimes a half court or a full court. Now in college, somebody gave me a Sega Genesis system that was broken, and I sent it into Sega and had it fixed for fifteen bucks. And and at that point, I had two games. One of them was Street Fighter, which I beat, and the other was Aladdin, which was a great Sega Genesis game, <laughs> which I also beat. And I just realized that, uh, oh, you know what? I'll come back to what I realized because actually my favorite game in the world 
was the Return of the Jedi stand-up game when I was in junior high school. Oh, there you go. I spent $13 on that game one day right. and came home and got grounded from ever playing video games again. I was not allowed to go back to the really? arcade because I came home and my dad was like, where, you, where the hell have you been? Like, I've been playing these video games. How much you spend on the video games? Again, I was just unwilling to lie to my parents. 13 bucks. Never allowed to play them again. So that experience, along with this experience of getting a couple of video games and smoking so much weed in college, I just realized it's it's just not a good idea for me to have a video game system. I, I can't have one. It's, right, right. If I have one in the house, well, you did. it is all I would do. And Didn't you have to the PS2? Point, no, no, never. Oh. Never. To the point where if I get a game on my phone, I can't stop playing that. Right. I just can't leave it alone. Snake on my original BlackBerry, the Snake game. I played that fucking game until I beat it. I beat the game. I got to literally the end level that you can get on it. I had a, a job in junior high, like taking off electronic parts for friends. Like we, I'm sure I was exposed to incredibly toxic things, but like we'd have these circuit boards and we'd have these. Soldering. I built those when I when I was in uh, college. I, I took them apart when I was in junior high, and so we would Small salvage plot. Parts and I was getting paid three dollars an hour, <laughs> and every day. And you took like, three hours off your life every day as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Sixty-three dollars <laughs> a day, or a week, or something like that. And then a day. Where were you? Six, no, sixty-three dollars. Sixty-three dollars a week. Oh, okay. And uh, and then like at the end of every week, we I go to the bank, and then I would spend like half of it at the arcade. Oh my god, arcades! They're a thing of the past, right? They don't still have arcades. I don't, uh, yeah, they couldn't possibly. No. Who needs them? But I love Tempest. Oh, yeah, yeah play that game because you can't really do that in a console because it has like the specialized spin controller. If you thing. wanted to do it, you had to buy that controller, and then it was uh, just one game. I know. Uh, what else you got? You got some more softballs. Well, I, they feel pretty. Hold on. Oh, oh, oh that's not that's not, oh, that's, not, that's not the ball. Um, Shuggle, it's a tumor. <laughs> uh, John Ritter, Christopher Reeves, Michael Caine, Denholm Elliott, Carol Burnett, Mark Lynn Baker um, of Great Perfect Strangers, and Mary Lou Henner. The one I mean, that's a cast. She's got the, the crazy memory thing. But when they do the play, the, you know, the movie is half backstage, half on stage. Right. And it's when they do the play, they usually have a rotating set. Right. So that you will be seeing what's going on on stage, and then the whole stage will rotate around, and you'll see what's going on backstage. It's a very high production play, typically. What's, who's the guy who wrote that? I don't, I don't know. I'm an idiot oh. about theater. I'll bet, I'll bet Tyson Saner knows who it is. I believe it was um, William Shakespeare. <laughs> the Blurred. The Blurred. <laughs> I saw another play that guy did. It was also very William cool. Shakespeare? Yeah. The Blurred. <laughs> there was a long, the theater where we met, there was a long string of them doing adaptations of Shakespeare plays. Oh, and like so modernization. Like, instead of it being two gentlemen of Verona, it'd be two Gs, and it'd be in a rave. Were you in the two Gs? No. I, it was one of the first things I saw there, and I, I remember being really bummed that they it's like a hip hop. That they didn't rap. Thing. Oh, it wasn't. They didn't rap. No, they did not rap. And I remember being like, "Oh, this is a genius idea to take a Shakespeare play that's filled with rhyme couplets and have them rhyme them." You know, but right. it it was it wasn't that. They also did one where they did uh, another Shakespeare play, but they said it in the Caribbean. Right, and they did uh, Pound of Flesh. Did you see that one? I didn't was, see um, that. Merchant of Venice. Dan was in that. Dan Etheridge. Missing host. He's very yeah, talented. Missing. Yeah, he was and great in that. Hung like a donkey. Um, He's got a big one. And then the show that I did that was three and a half hours long. That was a show in verse that was so terrible. What was that? What show was that? It was over at uh, Open Fist or something like that. First play I did in LA, I did Open Fist. Really? I I, th- I feel like this day and age, cut cut the play. 
two and a half hours already is stretching it. Two hours is appropriate. I think two and a half hour movies should be are, are just such like I, I just feel like if you're then if you're not charging extra, how does it make more money for the studio to have a longer movie? Doesn't it screw them because they they have less screening times they can do? They don't get you don't pay extra. No audience ever said, "Oh God, that was a good movie. I wish it were a half an hour long." Oh, I just wish it was three hours long. It'd be so much better. Oh my God, like funny people. Would have been better if it was missing forty five minutes. Well, that that is true, and um, I actually liked funny people. I, did. I, got, I really I did had too. a bunch of people shred me for it, a bunch of like no. comic guys, and I was like, I I saw that no one, I know no one liked it, but I really liked it, and I just got berated by five really funny guys that I know. Uh, but I, um, that's a, is that a Judd Apatow movie? Yeah, he he his movies are all actually pretty long, like. He does a style of movie that typically would be like an hour and 45 minutes, and he does it for like two hours 15. That's kind but of his thing, right? It doesn't need to be. Uh, I'm no expert about that stuff. I don't know. I thought Jackie... We're, he, him and his people and my people are in talks about working together, um, not for me, for a different actor. <laughs> so I don't want to say anything <laughs> I, bad. I, 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 <laughs> I see. Judd Apatow's people, and by that I mean the people who serve him coffee at Starbucks, are in talks with my people... The other employees at Starbucks, including <laughs> the people, myself. The people who buy coffee at Where Starbucks. Where I will be working shortly. Um, Not after I, this. This is my big break. I get in big arguments about Jackie Brown with people. I think that movie is 45 minutes too long. Literally. Like, if you gave me a couple editors, I it would be an awesome 100-minute movie. But, I mean, isn't that kind of the thing when you do, like, you're Quentin Tarantino and you do to a... To be a dick you to your do, audience? You do a, you do a independent film that's well-renowned and then you... You basically put independent film on the map with uh, um, Pulp Fiction, and then you say, right, now I'm going to do what I want to do. This is my thing. Then isn't that basically your, your right after you – he revolutionized the genre yeah, but, of independent but why film. Would you, why is your thing making a, a three-hour movie? Well, because that's the story you want to tell. I don't know. They, I, don't I think know. they want to do ep- – people want to do epics also. It'll be so long. I remember when Heather I hate that. Like, had the, the script for um, uh, Kill Bill. She worked on Kill Bill, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Um, we have a friend ours. who was a second AD on it. Yeah. And it was like a 300-page script, and I just thought, like, that is going <laughs> to suck. Didn't know. I loved it. Well, no. they At that point, when she started, it wasn't two movies then. It was. Oh, that's right. It was supposed to be yeah, one movie, and they like, split it. And, boy, good good for the wine scenes. I'm sure that was just like, uh, Quentin, we <laughs> like it. It's just, no, I'm doing it in one movie. Yeah, uh, what do you say to Quentin Tarantino? Two movies. Two movies. Or we won't sign the check. We'll I mean, pay you twice. Right. Oh, yeah. There you go. What's uh, the third softball? Did I already get my third softball? No, not yet. We're getting to yeah, it. I'm so just excited gotta, for just it. Just got to wait for it. No, I want it now. Uh, uh, what is your friend's name? So you're... My what is my friend's check. name? Chris Wilde. That was a softball. No. Uh, Dittman, what is your what is your words for friends... Oh, words with friends name. So... My oh, I'm, I'm not going to... It's H. Diddy Boy. You can send it to her, but don't say it over the air, because I don't want a bunch of people who are smarter than me trying to become my words with friends friends. I play... Do you play... Do you know, you know Darren Norris, right? No, I don't think so. We, he does... Um, his wife directs a bunch of anime voiceover stuff. I don't think I know him. Oh. Unless I know, I know him by face and don't remember the name. Oh, well, he's very good at words with friends. We'll have him on the show sometime. He was... He's... He was in the pilot for Party Down, I think. I don't know. Uh, friend of the show. That's a really interesting story. I've got tons more. Please tune in. It's Nooner. Uh, let's see. Nooner. Why did... It's a Nooner. It's a okay. theme song. Last. Oh, what was your summer jam this past summer now that it's fall? Today we had our first fall-like day. Interestingly enough, my summer jam was uh, Beach Rhymes and Life album by Tribe Called Quest because I saw the Tribe Called Quest Doc? Documentary, which was so awesome. Beach Rhymes in Life. 
Whatever happened to them? Oh, I guess I should see the movie. And it's find a out. great. It's a great documentary. I hope that Michael Rappaport does documentaries of the other rap groups of the era, like Wait, the De La Soul it? and the Beat. Yeah, the actor. Michael yeah, Rappaport. and it's great. From Zebra it's heartbreaking. Head. If you've ever been in a band or a sketch comedy group, I mean, I think we had a lot of the same kind of experiences that a band would have doing sketch comedy groups. You have the same sort of personalities, oh, the fights, and, and the so screaming. much fighting. You knew Rob Hubler, did you? And, you knew oh, Rob yeah. Hubler, didn't you? He was in a group with us, and like he, he just watching him and Jamie Robledo go at each other's throats, and it's amazing. It's exciting to, to watch that. So anyway, it, he perfectly captures what these this basically amazing rap group from their very first rumblings in meeting in junior high school all the way through to actual footage of them never wanting to speak to each other again at their last reunion concert. That I mean, it's amazing. So that's heartbreaking. So that was my, so sadly that was my summer jam. My summer jam. Why why is that sad? Because it wasn't anything new. Like my summer jam was going back into and going, wow, I own all the albums. So they're already in my iTunes going back and going, wow. Yo, microphone, check one, two, what is this? The five-foot assassin with the roughneck business. I roll at gravity. I never had a cavity. I got more rhymes than your mama's got family. Is that, is that, is that Kevin Clay? Yeah. I'm not, I never have known if it's, if your mama's got family or if it's Luanda's got family. So maybe somebody out there knows the lyric and can You said that with such glee. I love this song. It sounded like something from Higley. I felt like gravity. I never had a cavity. I got more rhymes than Marty U's got family. It sounds like you're time for timer. I know because I because I, I love their music so much. The native tongues um, rap scene of like New York City, Long Island, and all that of of the '90s. That's that is my. But you soundtrack. could not have done that with less soul. <clears throat> I mean, it was. Hold on. <clears throat> Yo, microphone check one two. What is this? The five foot assassin with the roughneck business. I float like gravity. And that's that's less soul. Well, but there was some irony in that. The way you did it the first time was <laughs> this just so ironing is delicious. Irony. <laughs> oh. All right, last softball. Um, oh, that was the last softball. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Meh. I listened to the Fucked Up album. I don't know. It's a big, really, it's a loud sort of post-punk band, and they did this sort You're of You're so much smarter about music than I am. You're always listening to new and exciting it's music. Only I so, don't. I only do it because I want to stay like relevant with the kids. Right, but I don't do that, and I, so I'm not relevant. You are self- I'm buying the latest Jay-Z and Kanye, and I'm buying the latest G-Love with Special Sauce. I'm not like really experiencing new artists, and I've, I, I've always admired that about you, that you're always listening to something new and exciting. Well, it's just it's out of insecurity, but... <laughs> Why, because you're fat? I just, shut up! <laughs> People keep saying that! Because <laughs> you're fat? Yeah, because you're fat, you get small dick. You got hairless arms. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, one of those three things is true. That's what you've been you staring at. You have hairless at, arms. That's what you've been staring at my arms. Do you arms shave or you a swimmer? Yeah, exactly. I, guess. <laughs> I know it doesn't make me go faster. I just feel like I'm going faster. Uh, <laughs> I also don't swim, but I just feel like I'm going faster. <laughs> when I'm walking. I just, I'm just like cutting through the air. Oh, walking. I have a, um, you know, the, the biggest thing I I've did was getting a treadmill desk this year. What? So it's a treadmill, or I bought, I built it, or whatever. It's sort of hacked together. But you put a desk, and you raise it up, and then you put a treadmill underneath it. And so instead of sitting, you're walking at like one mile an hour, and then you work like that. She just really slowly. I mean, one mile an hour is barely moving. Does it even get your heart rate up? No, no, no. But that's not the point. The point is just to to just keep active and and you like focus better because you can't sort of like sit down and like lounge. You just have to be right there. What about doing it at like three or four miles per hour so you've got a clip going and you're actually getting your heart rate up? Do you ever like jack it up? Uh, when I'm Do you ever jack it up? 
Is your mom listening right now? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so effing sorry, mom. <laughs> I'm so fluffing sorry. <laughs> Mrs. Ethel. You don't I'm ever sorry. just really try jacking up the speed on the thing and seeing if you can um, get your heart rate up too? What's well, kind of a piece of shit? Uh, piece of S? A piece of S treadmill. Uh, it was spray painted green and used in a, in a green screen <laughs> application. It's awesome. Yeah. It was like a hundred bucks, but uh, man, it is ru- man, it's not ex- really cheap at all to put a treadmill in your house to get a good one you can really run on. They're expensive. Yeah. Well, we live in California; you can just go running outside. Ick! <laughs> That's so lame. Ew! But you go one mile an hour because otherwise you can't type on the on the corn pewter. I could. <laughs> so let's see you do it. Where's your treadmill? All right, we'll I go don't on, see we'll it. Go into my house after this. And we'll go to some questions on the Twitter. Oh, yes. Uh, Red Savage Zero wants to know, why did you quit smoking weed? Uh, I quit smoking weed because uh, after a while, as I pushed into my 30s, it... um. Just so you know, it just made me feel groggy Ke- and tired. Kevin, Kevin Smith might be listening to this. Oh, okay, so. it just made me feel kind of groggy and tired. I, I, I still, I, I didn't really quit smoking weed because still, if I'm out partying with my friends or um, what, what on a camping trip or whatever, I will still occasionally smoke a joint and that kind of thing. But um, I, the older I got, the more that it just made me feel kind of tired and uh, and uh, hazy as opposed to like I. Re- and I think it's kind of went hand in hand, ironically, with starting surfing. <laughs> Stupid! I started surfing, so I quit smoking weed. But it was such it would wake me up and make me feel so clear headed that um, surfing would surfing would that I I kind of wouldn't want to smoke quite as much. And I think it was also coupled with um, dating a couple of girls in a row who didn't smoke, and none of them have ever minded if I did. But I didn't want to like get all high and then hey baby, you're, like, you know, being all high with them and they're completely like, clear. Is that what you were like when you were so really like that, like a uh, cautionary video from the 1950s. <laughs> so, but I, but I have no, like, not only do I have no judgment on smoking weed, um, Kevin Smith, I, I actually feel like it is the only thing that will dig California up out of its financial problems. And on top of that, if we would just get our shit together and legalize weed, commercially legalize marijuana, it would be the it would be what would make California flourish again. Like we have such great farmland, we have like. So you really do watch Bill Maher? That's like your only connection to the world of, of what's important. No, he doesn't ever get into detail. That's not true. He doesn't. He only ever talks about the. Um, he, no, no, he only ever talks about like how cool it is to smoke pot. He doesn't ever. I feel like he he drops the ball in ever saying this could literally save us financially, and I believe it could. I mean, if you let Marlboro and Camel, and I understand. Look, I understand. I understand the dispensary's point of view. I'm very uh, um, educated on this point. I understand that the dispensaries would suffer if that happened. I understand that the quality would suffer. I understand that the individual grower would suffer. So I very much understand that this like is a political issue for um, dispensaries and distributors. Nonetheless, for the state of California and for the country, if we would legalize it, I just feel like it would s- solve really literally all of our financial problems. Here's why I don't think that's going to happen. Because... It is called weed for a reason. It grows very quickly and rapidly and easily. So people will just take a handful of seeds and throw it out their window. That is so, that's so and ignorant. It, Please it somebody tweet to Marty how ignorant that is. You cannot just throw, I've grown weed on my balcony before. You cannot just grow weed on your balcony that is like what you can get at the medical well, marijuana not, place. It, it might, no fucking way. It might not be the same quality. <laughs> but no, no, it's not even the same thing. It's not anywhere near hemp, the same quality. Hemp grows everywhere. Though. Hemp does. You don't smoke hemp. You yes, don't smoke you do. your book bag, hippie. 
No, it's you the smoke same plant. sticky buds. Right. Oh my god, I want to get high so bad. <laughs> I would like to thank uh, Red Savage Zero for getting uh, Henry into trouble. Now, that's, the, that's the other thing, too, man. That When I moved to California and they started – it's one thing when you're going to school at Ole Miss, University of Mississippi, and you're buying a you know a quarter of swag for 15 bucks and rolling joints out of it. It's something else you get out here smoking that chronic. Like, you get high and you are high. It's, it's like it's, – it's really – it's amazing. The technology has really skyrocketed right. on the pot. Right. But I for think, sure. But it's but it's people, all me. It's all my inability to smoke it and still be like coherent and fresh and clear headed, which is what I've come to really enjoy. But you can grow it. Like thousands of people grow it at home. And well, it, and isn't it legal to grow a couple of plants at this no, point? No, I thought legal. they legalized that. If you have a card, you can get. Yeah. And by the way, oh. getting your card is not the hardest thing in the world. I mean, that's a hundred bucks. All the symptoms that I had from planning a wedding. Sleeplessness, nausea, like lack of appetite, almost anything that I had just from the stress of my planning a wedding, I could have gone to a doctor and said, I need something that's going to give me an appetite. I need something that's going to help me sleep and my stomach is upset. All those things are symptoms that marijuana would help. So why didn't you smoke when you're getting married? Didn't think of it. <laughs> didn't think of it. Because <laughs> I right. wanted to still get married. <laughs> um, oh, is your wife, is she anti the pot? She's not against it. She just doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. PDG, uh, thank you for listening. I hope uh, we are making this Friday fun, even without Dan Etheridge. He, he says it's one of the highlights of his week. Oh, I appreciate. I, I just want to say it, the show is so much better when it's Marty and, and Dan. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> None of us wanted to say it, but we're all thinking. I'm not it. meant it's to the, be the sidekick. It's the white elephant in the room. This is my. This is. I'm popping my cherry, co-hosting a um, podcast. I've uh, done. A, I've done about doing... a dozen of them, but I've never been any anyway the co-host. Really? What, what, what have you been on? Uh, I've showed up on uh, some of them are radio shows. Uh, um, all right. The block. So you, you lied again. No, but they, second lie of the. It, look, man, it's very hard to say because sometimes you get on a show and they're like. My publicist will say, oh, you're going to go on this podcast. You, you get there, publicist? you call it a podcast, and they go, um, this is a radio show. And sometimes you get on, and you think it's a radio show, and you go 40 minutes, and then they then they all start talking about F this and S that. And you go, oh, my God, I thought we were on the radio. And they're like, oh, it's called the internet, dumbass. So they all kind of fade together. Right. You have a publicist? My manager does. Oh. So that's therefore your publicist. Well, it's it, he. she's the pu- in-house publicist for all of his clients. Gotcha. Uh, PDG also wanted to let us know that they do still have arcades, but they all have Dance Dance Revolution games. Oh, yeah, you know, like, like Dave and Buster's. Well, because you need like games that you can't play at home, so they all have to have like big things. That, oh, and like, have you been to Dave and Buster's? You, you know what I'm talking about? You love the Dave and Buster's. I remember, I remember the first time you went, you were like, Who's the greatest one? Chris and I just went to Dave and Buster's. Oh, my God. You can eat and drink and play video games. Oh, my God. It's like a... It's like a it's paradise. Yeah, and they have like surfboard games and skateboard games yeah. and all those different types of things. And then you can get prizes. Yeah, you just look at that how you many eventually tickets I got. Throw away. Uh, the, the, the really great thing, you know, Chris and I live by what we, we call it the code whenever something really crazy happens that's not an, a coincidence. We go, oh, it's code. It's a code. And uh, we were there the first time we went together. He traded in all of his credits and all of his tickets and he had... 69 credits left on his card and 420 tickets in his bucket. 69, 420, dude. I know, I got I mean, that is the code. That's code. It's so So real. he couldn't. At that we point, freaked you, out. We literally were running around Dave and Buster's taking pictures of the, <laughs> of each other and. <laughs> that is the saddest. Kissing. <laughs> and we weren't married yet, so it was gay. Right. Now that we're married, we can do anything we want with each right. other and it's not gay. And then, you, you guys live close? 
to each other? No, he moved down to Redondo Beach. Ugh. So I have to, I'm always driving down there to like surf with him and but he's got a baby now. Oh wow. Mm, beautiful baby boy named Karen. What was that show he was on? The, the uh, Chris Wilds show starring Chris Wilds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on Comedy Central. Yeah, you wrote on that, didn't you? I yeah. contributed some material to it. They, I, I would hand in stacks of jokes. I think I had one or two jokes maybe make it. Um, Charlie Ballard wanted to let us know that Warrior was uh, two minutes, uh, two hours and 20 minutes, and it was great. It didn't oh. seem long at all. Oh, I heard that movie is amazing. But see, I don't have a thing against long movies. I just have a thing against long movies for the sake of being like you. You think that? Oh, come on! You think that any filmmaker says, "I got this really good script. It's two hours long. I'm gonna add fifteen minutes." No one does no, no, that. No, no, they no, just no. have a story they can't right, seem right. to tell in a shorter amount right. of time. But I, I think that like Peter Jackson made all those movies as long as they needed to be. Yeah. But Jackie Brown was too long, and he should have known that. Oh, my God. That's all I'm saying. He should have known that. That's all I'm saying. You're so bold. I, <laughs> I, wish, I really wish that this was video so that everyone could see the little sassy shoulder shimmy you're doing. Me, me, That's me, 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 me. by it. Uh, good morning, Michael uh, Nados in Australia, who wants to know our favorite Australian bands and movies. That's easy. Road Warrior. Done. Oh it's my the, God, one, so probably good. my favorite movie of all time. Were all of these were the sequels as well Australian films, or did they end yeah. up becoming American films? I did. No, I, no, I'm talking about the sequel. The first one was Mad Max. Oh, that's was, right, it was Mad Max. Yeah, uh, which was also incredible. Yes. I I used to work for Kieran Beer, which is a beer company in Japan, and we did half of our shoots in New Zealand. And please, I I definitely know the difference between Australia and New Zealand, so please don't be offended, sir. Uh, but I ended up doing a week-long surf trip in New Zealand after doing one of these jobs because I was there anyway. So I bought a surfboard, bought a wetsuit, rented a car, and just drove around the North Island surfing. And I did it. I was by myself in these isolated little towns that, A, didn't quite have a nightlife, but also I live in L.A. Right. So the vacation for me was buy a beer and a burger and go back to the hotel room and get a good night's sleep and get up and surf my face off all day. And every night for five, for however many days straight there are them, they had. They showed the road warrior. They again, had no. They and had the again, road warrior. Again. They had the um, marathon each night, and so I because checked that's, in the, and that's like the only rewatched these they films there, and it was so. It just was luck. Yeah, they're such great movies. Yeah, it's a, it's a great. They're so great. It's like the, if you want to know how to direct action, just watch the road warrior. The ca- camera's always moving. There's like almost like maybe ten pages of dialogue, and the rest is, is all action. Is Crowded House Australian or Kiwi? No, they're Kiwi. God, they're great. It's uh. The in excess Australian, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. Silver chair. I don't know that much about ben Lee. current um, content coming from yeah. Australia because I because I feel like at this point it's not like it used to be where something comes out and they go, "This is a band from here." It's the whole marketplace has become so it's global. A global. It's, it's a, almost like, global. It's almost like a marketplace we're that's all just global. One country. It's got to be a phrase for that. Uh, but man, I'll tell you what. The hardest partying I ever did in my life was at a Greek youth hostel. With a bunch of Australians on Anzac Day. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. What Anzac Day is? For all of you who don't know, it is a really emotional holiday where basically... The Anzacs were a military... like. Yeah, it, it was basically an invasion gone wrong where... It's heart. The story is heartbreaking, and honestly, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it because I feel like it will sound like I'm trying to make some sort of humor out of it. It's heartbreaking. And on that day, we we woke basically t- scores of Austra- hundreds of Australians or thousands were killed because of a British military action. Watch Gallipoli. It's so intense. Uh, but I woke up on the day of Anzac Day and walked out to breakfast, and there's six Australians who I'd become really close with because I liked Vegemite. It was basically our bonding point. They're like, ah, Hank, you love Vegemite, right? And 
they each had an empty six pack of beer bottles on their tray at 10 a.m. at breakfast. <laughs> and they, I walked in and they, it was six arms around my neck in a minute, just nodding. Like, we're about to do this. And it was the hardest parting I've ever done in my life was with the Aussies. They're no joke. Oh, that's great. I, I, they, they don't want to claim Russell Crowe though. Have you ever been in a conversation with a Kiwi and an Aussie about Russell Crowe? No, and they're like, you I, take him. Yeah, I was in one where, where the Australian kept saying, no, he was born in New Zealand. And then Kiwi was <laughs> oh like, no, he lived in Australia. They uh-huh. don't, no one wants him. See, Henry can talk smack about <laughs> famous people. Uh, I'm, talking some, I'm repeating someone else's smack. <laughs> There's also a really great story I heard of a friend who was in an Australian bar. He's Australian, and he overheard this. He was like from Sydney and was in Melbourne, or was from Melbourne and was in Sydney. So he told it as an anti whatever that town was story. That he overheard a girl say to a, a guy, "I'm only rag at the moment, but you could do me in the pooer if you like." <laughs> and so every uh, every time I saw him, that was my that was my quote to him. Oh well, th- yeah. I'm only seen- rag at the moment, but you could do me in the pooer if you like. You've seen Gallipoli, right? Yes. Yeah. So th- that's what Anzac Day is about, right? Yes. The- it's an amazing movie. Peter Weir directed, uh, Mel Gibson. First time I saw him in a movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's powerful, powerful movie. Mm-hmm. It's like a, some of my favorite surfers come out of Australia as well. Oh yeah. Nick Fanning is a Australian surfer is really amazing and groundbreaking. Have you been to Australia? I haven't. I, I spent so much time in New Zealand during, doing the, that job. Five times in five years, I was in New Zealand in different cities every time shooting these Japanese beer commercials. Um, and every time I kept saying, I always had to come back for a job. And I kept thinking, oh, the next time that I get a week, like I did the first time, which is when I went on that surf trip, I'll just hop over to Australia. And then they canceled the campaign. So just... Mistake. Describe, like, you were a a mock, a white band? They, If you imagine, like, the Japanese version of Monty Python, except imagine a, a sketch comedy group launching in Japan that the first night that they air the show, it gets like a 90% share of the viewers and it never drops. So they're like the Beatles of sketch comedy in Japan and they, and a few of their stars continue to be huge television stars. And so because of the Japanese culture's love for um, Western pop culture, they basically hired two Americans, a Kiwi, a Brit, and an Aussie to that looked a little bit like these guys. And luckily at the time, I was 25 pounds heavier than I am now, so I ended up looking... Like one of the like sort of softer guys, and then as as the run of the commercials went on, and I was losing that weight, that was from a very d- difficult time in my life. Uh, so the the point is, they kept you, saying you're losing too much weight. Or they would say, "Have you?" <laughs> like, oh, you're so skinny, and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, don't worry, I'll gain the weight back before the shoot." And I would just being thinner and thinner, right? And just put you in a sweater or something. They weren't paying to hold so me as a heavy guy. They basically made you. Like, were you doing the same sketches? Or? We would redo bits that they did, but we would How run around. Weird. We'd run around like it was the beauty of the shoot was that the production design was these green rolling hills because it was Kieran Green label. I don't think you can even get it in America. Mm. And because they don't have a problem with carbs in the East because they eat so much rice. And here we're like low carb, low carb. There it's all like they don't want none of their light beers would be low carb. They'd be low sugar, for example. So this is a low sugar beer, I guess. It wasn't, it wasn't Sounds delicious. delicious. I'm not under contract anymore. It wasn't delicious. Um, but we would sort of run around doing these little bits and then we'd say, Indeo, green deo, which means it's okay. It's green. <laughs> and you went to Japan a few times too, right? We, we did five shoots in Japan. Maybe it was, I want to say it was five in Japan. Maybe it was four in New Zealand, one in Saipan, one in 
England. So when the four of you guys were together in Japan, did people recognize you? Or five? Five of us. Only once. Because we all would, we were wearing wigs to make us look like we had straight black hair and we were, I wore glasses. The one time we got recognized was because we were all taking, having a friend of ours take our picture in front of a billboard. Of yourself. And when people were kind of staring, we, <laughs> we were, we wanted to be recognized. Yeah. We thought we'd be huge celebrities. Right. So we'd kind of like, Hey, ha, uh, Green Dayo, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I have had a couple of experiences since then of meeting people from Japan and us talking about Japan and then them saying, "Oh, you've been," and me telling them what I've done, and they've they've all thought they know what it is, right, right. And that- how pathetic that I have to do that to get validation in this business. Say it one more time. Indeo, Green Dayo. Is it on YouTube? Oh, if you go to my YouTube page, if you Google Henry Dittman and uh, you and, and YouTube search and find my page, I think that there is a Kieran New Zealand behind the scenes that you can watch where you'll see some of the like costumes and and art. I don't I think that at some point they had to take the spots off the Internet because they had to pay us for every year they were up and they didn't want to. Um, That's how this business works, bitches. It's pay cold, me, bitch. Cold and ruthless. Hey, man, pay me. Yeah. Well, uh, let's <laughs> No, I'm serious, the... Marty. Pay me. Oh. Yeah, Jay, Jay will take care of you. Right, right, right after now, the show. Now, I was told. <laughs> You're, my publicist told me. I was told, told that there was pay for this. So, um, you have, we have, should wrap up pretty quickly because we have, uh, you have a. An I'm not going to leave early. Oh. I'm not going to leave early. It's right there in Sunset at uh, Crossroads of the World. It'll take me 10 minutes to get there from uh, my sweet parking Brett, space. Brett Greenstein? Is he? Huh? Who's the casting director? I don't want to say on the air. Why? I like Greenstein Daniel. Yeah, Greenstein. Yeah. Is it Greenstein? I thought it was Greenstein. Mm, Greenstein. They're awesome. They, lo- they love me. They're, that's the thing you should know about this business. It's not like for a lot of us, it's not like suddenly everyone knows you. It's just that you connect with one or two offices that really look out for you. And right. they're ones that I've built. I've built a relationship with them. By, they're really, really great. Guys. They're really nice. And also I used to work with Brett. I've worked with- my ass off for them. I, I never come in anything short of like crazy, stupid prepared. Uh, well, that's your job. But yeah, Brett and I. What? <laughs> Brett, I knew Brett when he was an, an assistant on a, at a film company when I worked there. Really? Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, they're guys that actually direct you. It's mm-hmm. like always good. They, you feel like you're learning something and you're right. having experience. And they also do uh, uh, free agents that, I, and I went in for that a couple weeks ago. And this right. is a fun that, one today. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, free agents, by the way, is uh, John Enbaum's TV show. Yes, that's that's premiering. I think next week or something like that. No, it premiered. This week. Oh, it premiered already? Well, they they at least aired the pilot. I oh, saw the shit. pilot on DVD a couple weeks ago because my manager uh, got a hold of it. It's funny. And you didn't book it? No, I didn't book Sorry. it. Sorry. But I went straight to... This, this is the like sort of weird thing. When you come in straight to producers and go on tape, which is what... I, on one hand, I'm thankful that happens for me now. But it, you, don't get, you don't ever get the feedback of, oh, I get a callback. Right. I'm going from 30 down to 10. It's just... You just do it and walk away, and the only feedback is you booked it. Or you didn't. Or you didn't. And you so, know if you didn't. And also, I, when it's 12 guys, colors of the rainbow, you kind of go, well, what do you, what do they you say? will or won't want a devilishly look, good-looking guy who can... <laughs> who lost 25 who pounds. Who lost 25 pounds. Uh, so you went in with John? Was John there? He was not. I, I, he was directing an episode. I walked by the Wait, set. No, John didn't, doesn't direct. Well, he was on set that day. Oh, he wasn't in the room. Other producers so, were. But I auditioned for the pilot, and he was in the room. And I got there, and... There had been a mix-up, and uh, my, my manager had sent me the new sides, but never said in the email. He'd sent me the sides a week earlier because I wanted to work on them in my acting class and read the script just because I like to work current material in my acting class. Mm-hmm. And when he got the audition, 
he attached all that stuff, but he never said, oh, these are new sides. So I didn't print them. So I like got coached by an acting coach, learned seven pages, showed up, started the scene, and they just all stopped and the director went, Henry, you have the wrong sides. It's the worst And I went outside and worked on the material and came back in and I fucking blew it. I blew it. <laughs> I blew it so hard. It was the worst, literally one of the worst. It was the worst thought, audition I ever had other than when I auditioned for Mission Impossible years and years ago and almost cried. I did so poorly in the audition. What, what happened? I just got in there and blew it. I just got, I was like, I'd never had audition for a movie. Right. I'd barely auditioned for a TV show before. And like, I we got, should let people all, know, like, the, there's a big difference between auditioning. There's some people who audition for, just for movies and. Oh, yeah. And some people just do TV. Yeah, like, for me, I, like, I, look, there's tons of us who just do commercials and rarely get a shot at theatrical stuff, but I've, I've done very well for myself with commercials that a lot of offices know me. And now I can go into a commercial callback and literally just. Do what you should be able – most like TV and film actors can do all the time, which is go in and just do it and don't worry about it and walk out. But for me, especially then, I'm just now – that audition probably for John show was probably the first time I walked in. Not the one where I almost cried. Right. Uh, but this this most recent one where I actually walked in and just went, "There, I'm either right for this or I'm not. I'm just going to do this. Do the scene. Right. You know, finish right. it. They're all like, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, all right, yeah, you didn't feel like it was this or this? And they're like, no, that was just exactly what we would do if we looked like you and sounded like Wait, you. Wait, what was the role that you went in for? Uh, it was a kind of a trust fundy kind of young businessman oh, so kind yeah. of thing. I went in for a lawyer. I may have been a little old for it. Everyone else there was like 30. Right. You know? I went in for a lawyer on free agent. So uh, it, John Enbaum was the co-creator of Party Down. He's uh, Dan and Isaac's roommate. So oh, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. We He's such a nice guy. Yeah. So he... um. He brought me in for a lawyer role, and I'm just in, waiting in the little waiting area, and everybody around me looks like a lawyer. Like <laughs> I'm just like, all right, I can just go home now, I guess. Oh, or, no, you could look like a lawyer. It was fine. You got a haircut. Oh, sure. Ironed your shirt. <laughs> Wasn't so fat. You didn't have. Is so your much- is your mom's last name you? Uh, yeah. I'm taking her position right now. I'm trying to back her up. Ma- Marty, if you would just get a haircut. And, Mom, is that you? Shirt, <laughs> is that and just iron your shirt sometimes, sweetheart. That's exactly sweetheart. how she talks. Maybe wear a tie once in a while and meet a nice girl. By the way, Henry is sitting across from me in a very well-pressed shirt <laughs> and a tie. And, and I met a nice girl. And you have a wonderful haircut. Well. Yeah. Well is usually followed by something. Oh, go back to the picture that I tweeted earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone, and you will see the look that them. I was just giving right. Marty. <laughs> uh, so, do we have anything to look forward to seeing you in coming up on TV or in the in the movie? Theaters? Hopefully, an episode of Hot in Cleveland that I'm going to audition for in 15 minutes. That is my real hope. Uh, if you pay, you keep you should definitely keep on my Twitter and my Facebook and stuff because I have a I have a video that's out on Funny or Die right now. If you go onto Funny or Die and go, and uh, search Oral. You'll find a. I do it all the time, but not on, <laughs> not on Funny or Die. Uh, uh, if you if you go onto Funny or Die and you do a little search for Oral, you'll find a short that I did with my wife Sarah McGelligan, who um, played the Britney Spears type role in the Onion movie. She's a very funny actress. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a video up there that you can see. Uh, I've got some commercials coming around the bend for Kayak.com and Rogaine, where I play a jerk. Uh, <laughs> Such a stretch. Some independent. Yeah, I play so many. I play so many pricks and suits. And dummies. Those are the two things I play most. 
kind of fish out of water idiots and pricks in suits. Uh, and then, um, yeah, man, th- hopefully more more uh, work for me. Are you some independent films that are right now about to get distributed that oh, that's I'm waiting for the deals to happen. And uh, are you still doing that web show with Janelle? No. Backst- so, we did like I think I did like five or six of those with Janelle. I was a guest co-host with her uh, for that show. So that was a, a, a web show video thing where you reviewed trailers. We reviewed trailers. Oh, hilarious. It was hilarious. Uh, I, re- I really like working with Janelle, and she is very smart about movies, and I am very stupid about movies. Like I'm, I'm maybe the only person in Hollywood who, if – I'm just going to say when because the secret says you're supposed to say when. When I become a television star, my next step <laughs> oh my will God. not be to say – Oh, thank God. Now I can do movies. It'll be, thank God, I'm finally doing television. I love TV. I love it. I love television so much. Yeah. And that's what I want to be doing. So that's why I've been producing pilots to try to sell a TV show. Can you do it? Executive produced by Kevin Smith. Can you do that, uh, my mom's voice again, but do it? Oh, Marty. If you would just press your shirt sometimes. Will you give us something for PDG out there? Just give him a little something. PDG, you rascals. If you and Marty would just quit smoking that reefers and just get off your treadmill desks, maybe you'd figure it out. And our last question will be... <laughs> will you please never come will back? Will you please never come back? No, this is from... Well, this is the most commonly asked question on the Twitter when we're on the air. When does Tell em Steve Dave come on? Oh, is that the show after? I guess so. Is that a very yes. popular it's show? A, it's a very popular podcast. Uh, Jay, do you have an answer for that? Nope. We don't know. Do you know what, what that is? Ask, tell him Steve Dave? What do you ask Tell Are you or just Steve not saying because you don't want to disrespect Marty and Dan? It's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. They come on, once they're on, they're on nonstop. Just download them. Uh, so Nidos wants to let us know that uh, Frenzel Romb is a great Australian rock band we can listen to. Nice. And, there is a woman named Sarah Blasco. Hey, uh, so do do me a favor and tweet tweet that on the Twitter. It, uh, it is on tweet the Twitter. that again and add me as a uh, do at Henry Dittman on it. So, so when I check my mentions, I can look it up and I'll know what we're talking about. At Henry Dittman, and we are at Nooner Dan Marty. Oh, it's probably on your feed. I could just check yeah, it off yeah, your feed. Yeah, I'll, I'll so give them a listen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let your friends know that this is the greatest show and so much better than Tell Them Steve Dave. And it's so much better when Dan is on it. You yeah. think Dan is just listening? Just and like with his head in his hands. Like it's with a like, single tear running down his cheek like the Indian in the litter commercial. <laughs> I just want to make sure all our references are from the 70s. Done and done. <laughs> all right, guys. That is another Nooner. We will be back with a new one next Friday. Um, but we will have you back on the show. Will you as a guest? Absolutely. So not feel all the pressure. And um, Dan, we hope you're doing well. And we look forward to having you back next week. Yeah, Dan. Blessings to you and your family. All right. Thank you, Jay. And we are out. This has been a production of Smodcast Internet Radio. This has been a production of Smodcast Internet Radio.